Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Carl Nelson Show. You're rocking with the most awesome miss. All right, let's go. And good morning, Wake Up Squad, and thanks for starting your day with us again. Later, the President General of the Universal African People's Organization, Zaki Baroudi, will be here. Brother Zaki will explain what black people should do if they don't support Biden in the fall. Brother Zaki will also discuss how we can improve the educational system for our children. But to get us started, D.C.-based activist and humanitarian Sinclair Skinner is here. Brother Sinclair, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the program. Oh, Happy New Year, big brother Carl Nelson. We made it. Praise God. Alhamdulillah. Woo! Yes, sir. But you, your journey, you were, you were on the motherland. Uh, did you take, bring in the New Year on the motherland, or it was just the other holiday? Uh, no, no, I actually went just to kind of close out with our team. You know, our office is based in Zimbabwe, so much of our work that we do is all based on a, uh, a getting our team together. So, our people are based in uh, Kenya, Rwanda, South Africa. Pulling everybody together was just the whole purpose of what we did. So it's been really a good experience. So that's what we did for the end of the year. All right. Tell us about your so, project, though. For those for folks who have never heard you before, tell, explain what the project is that you're working with in all these different African states. Well, you know, it, it's really based on the same premise of the original Green Book, the creating safe spaces for us as a people. And what we've done is, you know, done that digitally. So instead of depending on a, uh, a model based on, you know, just a book that's physical, which we do have, is literally leveraging our community throughout the world to basically crowdsource information about key areas. The original Green Book was about food, places to stay, and transportation. We expanded into eight uh, critical uh, uh, industries of people activity to include healthcare, uh, education and childcare, um, uh, legal. These are areas where when you're in a location or if you're in a situation where you're most vulnerable, you're going to need good information. So it's going to be hard to, to Google non-racist doctor in Copenhagen, uh, uh, Denmark, but you're going to make, want to make sure you have somebody who can actually treat you with dignity and respect. And even with COVID, what we realized that even within communities that our people live, they don't know which doctors or which folks are treating our people with the dignity and respect that they need. So we, we really thought it was important that we create a global safety net. And this is what I Love Black People's purpose is, is to build that. And to be, um, to use this in a way that literally is like a foundation. Uh, so often our people think that the issue in our community is economics and, uh, and wealth. 
But, you know, we, we probably think the capitalist model is probably one of the most predatorial and harmful models that there is. So, you know, colonialism, slavery, these are all capitalist models. What we really think is the most fundamental thing that a community, a family, or any entity should be able to do is protect itself. And what we've noticed, if you really think about uh, the, as we transverse North America, on the continent, dealing with colonialism, the biggest thing that we haven't been able to do is protect ourselves from this colonial violence or, you know, slave, slavery or the police coming to kill us. So we can create an environment that our people are safe, especially in the areas that are critical, like healthcare, uh, legal. You don't want a, a lawyer that already thinks you're guilty that's aiding and abetting the, the state or anyone else to harm you. So our, our fundamental thing is we can create the, the one Africa, we can create this pan-African unity throughout the world by focusing on something really fundamental and that's safety. So that's what our, our, we're building. We've been inspired by Victor Green, who created the first uh, uh, Green Book in the, in the 1930s to the 1960s. And we're really going to focus uh, on building it out in, on the continent. And many people think because it's Africa that black folks are already working together. And that's just not true. We, we're clear that what history has shown us in the last little over 500 years that a lot of work was done to divide us. I and mean, we were clear that the 54 countries in Africa were not made by African people. They were made by colonizers. So for us, we think these borders, which are already fictional, it shouldn't be the things that limit our, our, our movement. And even if we talk about North America, which is, again, a victim of several colonialism, the same thing we've seen in South Africa, uh, Rhodesia, what we see in, in, in North America is that Europeans came in and colonized and this, we're living in a settler colonial state, which is oftentimes violent, which literally maintains itself through violence. So we have to come up with ways that deliberate things are being done to harm us. We got to do deliberate things to protect ourselves. And we're not going to fight fire with fire. We're going to fight fire with war, water. We think this system of violence, this system of harming our people is unsustainable, is ungodly, is unnatural, and it's doomed. It's going to fail. The question is, what are we going to have to replace it when it does? And we're actively engaging brothers and sisters all over the planet to make sure we come up with a system that's based on this, this love and care and nurturing of our people. And it's important that we focus on that throughout the work that we do. All right. Seven after the top there. Uh, since uh, part of it's based on the continent, is it in French as well or Portuguese or is it just the, the English-speaking uh, African states? Well, our, as a start, again, you know, we're a tech startup. So just the concept of the tech startup, just to help out, I'm actually in Las Vegas uh, this week right as we speak uh, at the Consumer Electronics Show. So my background is mechanical engineer. My, my uh, co-founder, Christopher Mockmandera, who, who went to Howard University like myself, uh, who's originally from Zimbabwe, he's also an engineer. So what we uh, brought to this issue uh, of our, our people in the struggle uh, uh, against white supremacist ideology is our engineering background, our tech background. And in technology, in the, in the tech startup space, they, they say that as you build, you start off with what they call early adopters. You start off with the most interested people and the most uh, accessible people to the idea you have. So instead of trying to boil the ocean, when you start with everyone, 
you start with those folks that are already understand there is an issue and that we need to u- unite as a people. So our early adopters, the people we've uh, had supporters early on are Pan-Africanists. Now we know all black folks are Pan-Africanists. And then the, the first people that we've worked with uh, speak English. You know, my co-founder and myself both speak English. So if you, you look at the work we're doing, it's, it starts off in a space where it's Pan-Africanist and most likely it's Pan-Africanist to speak uh, English. We're active in about uh, 18 African countries, uh, which does include uh, Mozambique, which is a, uh, has a Portuguese uh, colonial unfortunate past. But the majority of the activity that we're doing uh, is in uh, countries where people uh, speak English or with members who may live in countries that are speaking French or other country, languages, but they also speak English. Uh, our team speaks Swahili uh, and a host of other languages. Uh, however, our focus of our activities have been uh, in, 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 uh, in English as a part of using technology. And I know people uh, uh, have heard a lot about artificial intelligence, but, but part of what we're doing, not in this phase of our development, but you know, probably within the next 18 uh, months, is we're going to use some of this AI, AI technology to translate the, the work that we're doing, not just into uh, European languages of our colonizer, which is problematic, but we really are seeing an interest in making sure that we can translate the work we're doing into local indigenous languages. We respect Swahili. Uh, it's not an indigenous African language. It's a trade language that's been used in Africa, which is a merit and is used by our brothers and sisters in Uganda, Tanzania, Kenya, and, and other countries. So we do see uh, value in having a multilingual uh, uh, platform, uh, but as a starting place, as a as you know, a land, and then we expand. Our our our, our product has been mostly and activities mostly been in English. All right, ten after the top. Yeah, we want to talk about the CES later, but let's talk about the the what you're doing on the continent. Because the green the, the green book philosophy kind of started here. Because we know we, there were places that were were not friendly to us. Is that an issue on the continent for our African brothers and sisters? Yeah. So what you've seen, and this is uh, one of our, our campaigns we have right now that we're, we're launching is a Pan African Unity campaign. And what we've seen is uh, the issue. What we call it is Afrophobia. The irrational fear or hatred of people perceived to be of African descent. And what we've seen with this is that we've included so called xenophobia, someone saying I'm from one country in Africa versus another country, and we've also included tribalism. Remember, you know, again, we talk about the 54 countries that were created by people oppressing us, as well as the the heightened or the, the, the use of conflict to create uh, um, tribalism, what you see is that in many of these places, you have folks who aren't Pan-African, who don't see us being from uh, uh, the same family. So what we're doing is, when we start off with education, we're focusing in Africa with the, the uh, classes, schools, educators, there are Pan-Africanists. 
who don't see their, their work being just for one country, one tribe, one group, but for folks who see their work for the greater African family. And, and that is not something that everyone on the, on the continent uh, sees as, as important, but we do. So for us, as I told you, our early adopters are Pan-Africanists. They're not nationalists for their country. The Pan-Africanists for our collective. So organizing and developing key uh, components of that, be it in education, healthcare, legal, uh, places to live, places to eat, we see that it's important to unite Africa through Pan-Africanism, through a Pan-African unity that right now does not exist. You know, some people talk about the OAU or the AU or political constructs. And, and we're very clear that what we do is not a partisan. Let me say it that way. It's not about political parties. We think political parties are probably part of the problem. What we see is that, you know, the politics that we deal with is more of the, the politics of the African masses, meaning that there's two people in the room, there's going to be politics. But for us to get caught up in parties and partisan and, and who, who elected who and, and waiting for elections, no, no politicians coming to save us. Uh, talking about African leaders, what they aren't doing, what they should be doing. We're the African leaders we've been waiting for. We don't have to go wait for someone to come or judge how good or how bad they did. Our first accountability is with ourselves. When we wake up in the morning, the first true picture of what's going on in the world is the mirror that you look in. So when right. you look at that hold that thought right there, Brother Sinclair. We've got to take a quick break. We got, and I'll let you come. And when you come back, though, I want you to explain. Because some folks think that just because you're, we're black or we're African, I'm, I'm referring to the brothers on the continent now, because we know they have skirmishes between in South Africa between the Nigerians and, and the brothers from Zim. If you can explain that and if it's still going on, and what's the basis of that? Is, is there a hidden hand uh, causing all of this to, to take place? And how, how extensive is it? Or is it just a few? You know, folks are, are, are acting out like that. I'll, I'll let you uh, marinate on that while we take the short break. 14 after the top. Yeah, we're back in four minutes. Family, you want to join this conversation? Your brother Sinclair Skinner, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take all your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. And if you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Good morning once again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest Sinclair Skinner. is just back uh, recently from, from Africa, from Zimbabwe and the area around this uh, with South Africa. And he's also right now, he's at the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is the, one of these greatest. If you're into gadgets or into want to look at the future, what media and electronics is all about, you need to be there in Vegas. So we're going to talk about that for sure before he leaves. But before uh, we move on, and Mark in Baltimore wants to talk to you, but my question to you before the break, uh, Brother Sinclair, was the, I guess, the disagreements, uh, put it kindly, between, you know, South Africans and, and Zimbabweans and, and Nigerians. Is is that is that sort of isolated to a few or is it a, a major story in that region of Africa? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Well, it's 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 not just in in South Africa. That's where we might hear about it, but there's oftentimes disagreements, especially around borders, like the the border between Wanda, DRC, Wanda, Uganda, uh, the border between uh, with Ethiopia. So, so I think the issue that we're we're still facing is the divide and rule. What I've seen in South Africa, in particular, is how the Afrikaners, the Europeans who are still there, were foment this this issue of xenophobia, especially when the issue of land or other issues come up. To be candid, South Africa has some of the most diverse African, indigenous African people than any other part of Africa. Let me say another Excuse me. There's more people that are from other countries in South Africa than probably any other African country. So... It's not that the people there have some inherent or or fundamental issue with the diversity of Africa. What I've seen is that, again, there's still not been a resolution in the distribution of resources, uh, redistribution of resources in South Africa. Those who colonize South Africa still have the control of the vast majority of the resources. So what ends up happening, in order to keep the, the... the community uh, destabilized, they, they'll create an environment where brothers and sisters blame each other. It's, it's much like what we see in, in America. You literally see African, African-Americans blaming Mexicans or El Salvadorians for not, for not having a job. Now, now, how many El Salvadorians are making jobs? How many, how many El Salvadorians or Mexicans are in charge of these industries? But what they'll do is have us fighting the Mexicans. And we'll put the Mexican in our mouth and talk about how they know good and immigration when literally the person who's orchestrating all of this is the, 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 the 1% that's controlling these resources that they shouldn't be controlling. And so in South Africa, people fall into that. In the United States of America, our own family members fall for that. And we got to stop. I mean, of course, capitalism is, is a key part of this problem, but we got to stop getting caught up in this divide and rule. The brother from El Salvador has just as much control over if he gets a job or not than, than we do in many ways. And right. that shouldn't be. And, and let me jump in, because I'm glad you said that, because I had a call once, uh, Brother Sinclair, from a brother in D.C., and he was talking about all the construction projects uh, around the district, and he looked, and there was all Hispanic, and he, he was mad at the Hispanics. I had to tell him, I was like, these brothers don't know how to go to City Hall and pull a, p- a permit. They don't know that. They just get for a job, and, and they're paying less than you are. You, your, your beef is not with these these uh, immigrants who are coming in, because they're the ones, they're not building the buildings. They're not the one. they don't know where City Hall is. Is. All they're doing is working and getting the check. And, and, and I, I, I had to explain to him that's how the system of racism and white supremacy works. That hidden hand getting you to blame this other brother well, while they're the ones right, who are causing right. it. Right. It's <laughs> just like the poor white man fighting to keep slavery in, 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 in power when slavery, of course, destabilizes wages. So, they, again, we're caught up. You know, we, we look back at that and say, oh, those dumb 
uh, 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 Europeans were fighting for slavery when, the, when that was taken away from their jobs. Well, you're right. Well, that's what's happening now. We got our own people looking at a system that only benefits a very few folks at the top of the top. And then they, we ever fighting over the scraps in the boat. And we think the enemy is, is somebody who's going through the same victimization in many ways, uh, similar than we are. And we've been here so long, we should know by now what the game is. We've been here dealing with this system of white supremacy so long, we shouldn't be falling for the okie doke. We should be the main ones saying, look, we know what game you're playing with this immigration. So we're not going to take out our, 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 our concerns with this immigrant. We're going to take it out on the person that put us in the situation. What do they say about the crabs in the barrel? Instead of us talking about who's got the biggest uh, pull of the crab leg, it should be the one saying, who put us in the dang bucket in the first place? Crabs ain't supposed to be in no barrel. Well, our beef is not with each other in this barrel. It's with the person who put us in here. So, we, again, it's, again, we got to go to first principles, really look at the cause of these issues, and we think that we can come up with ways to solve them by us working collectively and leverage this technology so we can scale that collective work in ways we couldn't do before. Yeah, because they're using this immigration scare now that they're coming to take your jobs. They're going to replace you. <laughs> if those jobs were there, the, 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 the oppressor wasn't going to give you that job in the first place. Because if he did, he would have done it years ago. <laughs> so, right. so stop you know, that. Like, like, that's like, wow. Like, yeah. And if you're concerned that uh, uh, somebody from El Salvador or Guatemala comes over here in flip-flops and can't speak English and, and can take your job and got two kids on a hip, then some, then maybe you better get up your skills then. If, if, if that's, uh, you know, if that's, that person can get your job, get a job before you can, who speaks uh, fluent English and have some formal education, then, then the issue's not with them, the issue's with you. But anyway, you know, that's how, that's how they try to play us against the, the immigrants and, and, and they sit back and watch and laugh while we complain about immigrants stealing our jobs. But you know, you, you've you've got it. You've got to follow the follow the money, family, and that's what Brother yeah, Sinclair said. There you said. go. Follow the money. Follow the money. I mean, I don't care how much skill education you have. Follow the money. Who's benefiting from all these issues? I don't care if you have no money in your pocket. You should never be dehumanized. You should never be oppressed. The cause of oppression is not lack of education, lack of money. It's the oppressor. It's just like rape. Rape is it's not late night hours. Uh, uh, short dresses, uh, 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 alcohol. The cause of rape is rapist. The cause mm. of our oppression is oppressors. There's people who are actively, they're doing deliberate things to harm us. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care what clothes you wear. There's people who are literally deliberately trying to harm us. We got to do deliberate things to help protect ourselves. That's right. And that's why it's so important about your Green Book, because uh, that helps us pave the way, for, especially when we're traveling in different cities, whether it be here in the stateside or, or on the continent or in Europe. That book is it's invaluable. If you have, you should have that book. And I'm sure it's online now, right? Yes, yeah, it's, it's online. We're coming up with our next edition of the book, but we, it's an app. Literally right now, the focus is getting as many of our brothers and sisters to help us a curate and collect and recommend these black friendly spaces in, in the, and on the continent of Africa, we say Pan-Africanist spaces here on, in North America. We say black friendly spaces, but we need our brothers and sisters to download the app. I love black people. They can go to Google play. They can go to the Apple store and be a part of the folks who are actually building this out. 
And I, I think, you know, Brother Nelson, I probably talked to you uh, off the show, but we really think the DMV area, this uh, metropolitan area, literally should be the safest place for black children. Like, we, ne- we need to read, like, one of, I had somebody talk about, I heard one of these, I guess, talk show people talk about people should all move to Georgia or to the South where our numbers are greater. <clears throat> and, and that way we can control ourselves. And of course, you know, in the nation, they've always talked about us having our own nation. What I realized, out of all the areas in the world, in the world, that we have the concentration of educated and affluent black people is right here in the DMV area. Like, literally, even when we talk about gentrification and how black people have left uh, D.C., they didn't leave D.C. to move to Idaho. They didn't move back to North Carolina. They just moved to Suitland, Maryland, Lanham. They were literally still, if we, if we don't even talk about it, and there's probably got to be a word. I bet somebody at some point in history called the, and I know we call D.C. Chocolate City, but just the concentration of black folks in Charles County, Prince George's County, even Montgomery County, like this concentration of beautiful black folks, if we were our own nation, what would be the name of it? And even when we talk about diversity, we got black folks from the Caribbean, from Africa. If you really look at the area that we live in and serve and participate in, if any place where children, and I'm saying something in a way that says that, I'm not talking about somebody 40 years old. You know, that's one thing. But there's no way in an area with this many educated, this many affluent black folks, that black babies, teenagers on down should be in a fear of being shot and killed. So when we talk about this green book, we talk about I Love Black People, we're building. I really want to look at how we can really focus and create like a safe... Well, hold that thought right there, because Mark has joined us in Baltimore City online, too. He's got a question about the green book. Good morning, Mark. Uh, Yes, good morning, gentlemen. And by the way, I hope everyone have a meaningful... National holiday next Monday, which happens to be his actual birthday that day, January 15th. Anyway, a question about the Green Book. Uh, how is it actually being financed? And number two, how do we send It's It's so interesting and important. Where can we send money to support it? Uh, I think it's very important it gets into the hands of everybody in the community. That's my right. two questions. Thanks, Mark. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Mark. So, our initial funding as a tech startup, we've raised probably uh, just a little bit shy of a half a million dollars. and But that's been over the course of a few years. The the main investment comes from our co-founder and myself. So I've been you know, successful, praise God, alhamdulillah, in other businesses. This project is, is a project of love. So we've not been able to turn a profit with this. We do have paid membership that people have uh, participated in. And... We, we sell T-shirts. We do things like that. But the bulk of what we are able to build has literally come from myself and a co-founder to build. And I, what I've figured out in life is that it's, I'm not here to try to make as, as much money to do as little good, but it's really trying to do as much good. And if we can make the money uh, uh, spread as far as possible by leveraging the brains and the, the hearts and the hands of our people. That's what Booker T. Washington said. He wanted to develop the hands, heart, and the head. I think we can go 
much further and all of our money will be uh, uh, more useful. So that's the, the, the uh, uh, financing. It comes from uh, myself and Mr. Mopendera. And then two... Well, hold that thought, hold that second part there, Brother Sinclair. We've got to take a short break. I'll let you respond, finish responding to Mark's question on the other side. 26 away from the top of the hour family. You want to join this conversation with Sinclair Skinner? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 22 minutes away from the top of the hour. Our guest, Sinclair Skinner. Sinclair is a humanitarian and activist in Washington, D.C. I'm discussing his, his green card, his green card, his green, his green book initiative that is this, uh, telling us that we need to have when we're traveling because it gives us all the information about friendly faces to us when we're traveling. Not necessarily black faces either, by the way. So let me point that out. And before we let you, he's responding to a couple of questions from Mark. Before we do that, though, let me just remind you, coming up uh, later this morning, we're going to speak with the President General of the University American People's Organization, Brother Zaki Baruti. One of the issues that uh, Zaki is going to discuss is what black people should do if they don't support Biden in the fall. What's that? What's our next move? And also later this week, you're going to hear from Dr. Ray Wimbush from Morgan State University and also Dr. Clinical Psychology, Jeff Menzies, are going to be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, Brother Sinclair, I'll let you finish the second uh, part of Mark's question. Yeah, so uh, the, w- the way that people can, can support, and we, we do have paid members, but again, I think the biggest thing that we, we need people's help with is contributing to the, the safe spaces. As you, you mentioned travel, travel is just one form of vulnerability. Travel means that you're someplace, you're not familiar with people, so when you're making decisions, you're more vulnerable. But what we've already realized is you don't even have to travel to be vulnerable especially in a white, you know, supremacist, you know, environment, you're literally, your existence has made you, you vulnerable. So if you're, you think about this COVID, they were telling black folks, oh, black folks can't get COVID. And, if, and this is for people, if you think it's man-made or natural, people were dying at this point, and people were giving black folks particularly misinformation. So in those situations, you want to be able to go to people that you trust. Well, we need to share that information. When we talk about somebody like a Serena Williams, who is super healthy, athletic, super famous, super wealthy, and even married to a white man, she still almost died giving birth to her, her beautiful daughter. So, you know, our forms of vulnerability, when you're sick or when you're in a medical procedure, you're very vulnerable. You don't want no racist hand dealing with your, your situation. And remember, it's not like the old days where it was a sign that says for whites only. You're going to a doctor. You don't know what their orient, you know, their orientation of the world is. So we want to make sure that we can share as much. And this is what I uh, share with my employees and my staff that works with us. In order to make good decisions, you need good information. And good information has three characteristics: it's accurate, it's relevant, and it's timely. It's, it spells art. I got that at uh, MBA school at, at Howard. But when I say that, we need more good information to make these decisions, especially when we're in critical environments. When you get pulled over or you get caught up in a legal situation, that's a vulnerability. The state might harm you. You need a lawyer that you know that you know is not going to see you as being guilty until proven. 
So for us, it's not just about travel. It's about the existence of, as a healthy black person. We always hear people talk about mental illness and someone having mental, we need to, well, what's causing the mental illness? It's an unhealthy, crazy environment that we're being traumatized every day. Well, let's talk about the trauma. Let's get stopped the trauma and maybe our health will be better. Well, again, how do we create that? We got to start protecting. We got to see the importance of protecting ourselves. Deliberate things are being done to harm us. We got to do deliberate things to protect ourselves so that we don't push ourselves to a mental situation where it's unsustainable. We can prevent that. So let's stop acting like that. This mental illness is coming from the spook guy from the sky and making us crazy. No, we're living in a crazy environment. Hello? So what do we do about, we're the adults in the room. We got to do something about the environment. And I think our young people, especially in the DMV, I'm really feeling this, that we can leverage our brilliant minds of those who are Pan-African, who are concerned about our people, leverage some very new, interesting technology, we might be able to do some things that we should have been do- should have been done, but we definitely have the opportunity to do right now. We don't have to wait for elections. We don't have to wait for the politicians to vote. We collectively could create the safety net that our children need. And again, this is without us being social workers. Without, this is leveraging all of us in our skills and creating something that allows our children to move about without having to be afraid of somebody blowing their head off. Like, think about that. What's political power that you can't protect your children and get shot in the head? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, we've got to step up. But hold that thought right there, uh, Brother Sinclair. It's 16 minutes away from the top there. Brother Hockey's joining us from Baltimore. He's online, too. Good morning, Brother Hockey. Is Brother Hockey there? Online, too? Not here in brother hockey. All right, Sinclair, you mentioned about the the violence that's in uh, in the DMV. Question for you: Do you ever see a time that the the DMV uh, stretches from the the area that we know as a DMV all the way to Baltimore? Do you ever kind of like like what's in in Dallas, the Metroplex, where all those tiny cities are all, all connected? Do you see a time when that will happen real soon? No, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know Baltimore like that, you know, but I, I've, I've been, this is. I I'm talking about the, 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 the little cities or areas in between Baltimore and, and the DMV. Do you see that one day they'll be just, you know, just totally connected? Yeah, I, I guess what I was trying to say is I know that I know around the metropolitan D.C. area, I know that could be true. And I don't see why we couldn't do it to, to go as far as Baltimore. I, I'm just saying this. Practically, if we look at the demographics and the folks who have been able to acquire education, acquire a level of affluency, this is a great concentration. And, you know, Morgan, uh, uh, Coppin, and Bowie, like we really, but see, Maryland's tricky. I'm going to say this. If all the cities that are, all the states that are so-called blue, so-called blue Democrats, Literally, Maryland didn't get a black governor until after Virginia got a black governor. Now, think about that. Douglas Wilder in the 90s, in the Commonwealth, I mean, one of the racists of all races. Now, Booker T. Washington was born there. Robert Rooster Moe got a lot of amazing black folks who were born in Virginia. But literally, for Maryland to just get their first statewide 
elected governor. It's crazy. Something about them. That's why I don't. I don't. I'm not waiting for election. And right now, even the fact they got a, a black woman running for state for a U.S. senator, her biggest challenger is a European man who made his money off selling liquor, like alcohol. And so, to be a, a state with so much affluence and so many educated folks, I think there is something. I'm not going to say insidious. But this is probably the, the uh, state Democratic Party apparatus that has not been as kind to black uh, political folks on the state basis. So, you know, I try to keep it conversation with things that I do know. Uh, and I know that in the metropolitan D.C. area, I know D.C., uh, you know, helped the uh, uh, mayoral ca- uh, uh, candidates and been involved with the Humoja Party one of the first uh, black uh, uh, parties to get uh, ballot status uh, uh, with uh, uh, Mark Thompson and, and uh, Malachi uh, and, and uh, Kendrick. So there's a lot of history that I know about in D.C. So I do think it's possible. I think Maryland is just funny. Like, they had that guy Brown lose, the guy Ben Chavis lose. Like, they've seen black statewide power not manifest. And I think there's something that uh, the ruling class blacks sometimes sell out to that compromises the black masses in Maryland. But that's, All right, hold that thought right there, because I think Brother Hockey's still with us online, too. I'm sure he can talk about the politics uh, of uh, Maryland. Brother Hockey, good morning. I'm not hearing Brother Hockey, Kevin. And I know he's still on the line. 12 away from the top there. Let's, let's see if we can get Roger on there on line three, calling from California. Roger, good morning. I'm not hearing Roger either, Kevin. Uh, can you hear me now, Carl? I can hear you now. Go ahead. Oh, Habali Ghani, Carl. Good morning, uh, Mr. Sinclair. Uh, when I hear that word gentrification, that's what got me to call in. That gentrification is not a bad word. You know, it's black. Like you've been describing, black people have money. I'm out here in L.A., but they don't want to live in the hood. They're moving out. White people with money are moving in because they know they won't be victimized. You know, white people walking around the, the hood like they're gods. They don't have to worry about their house getting broken into or their car getting broken into. So black people with money that could buy up those houses, they don't want to live there. And, and you can't make them live there. And, and I didn't know it was a stratification among blacks who have money and blacks who don't. When I went to college, I heard a word townie. I didn't even know what a townie was. I said, what's a townie? They say, well, a Tony is a person that don't go to college, a black person that don't wear the right clothes, a black person that ain't got no education. I said, we well, are talking about my family. And that's when I found out there is a distinction. And when I got in that boule, joined Cap Alpha and I found out that they really, really dislike poor black people. And then I found out that poor black people really dislike the so-called bougie black. So we got to make some kind of connection between those two. So if you could comment on that, the poor blacks and the boozy blacks, I don't think those two going to ever come together. I think All right. Coming All right. Well, Thanks, Roger. Uh, happy belated, belated Founders Day at Elder Watson Diggs. I, I, I think what, what, what the brother is saying is, is a part of, of the reality of these things. Even during segregation, there were issues when some black uh, business folks took advantage of the fact that black folks didn't have 
as many options. What we see in Africa, when you see so-called people selling out to, to the Chinese or other groups, these people see themselves as good capitalists. Capitalism doesn't see what we see as Pan-Africanists or people in the struggle. If you're a good capitalist, they're going to just ask you how much money. I, I had uh, four dry cleaners in Washington, D.C., uh, two on Georgia Avenue. I had one downtown and one in Rockville, uh, Maryland. And people didn't ask me, and I went bankrupt. And no one ever asked me how many black folks did I help, how many black folks did I give their first job opportunity, how many black folks I made sure they closed even when they couldn't afford to get them out for an interview, or folks who had to bury their kids, or folks who was locked up and, and wanted me to keep their leather coat for two years. Listen, capitalism is, is a key part of this problem because we see the dollar and we see uh, 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 the material as being more important than each other. So I think Kwame Nkrumah spoke to this. I think uh, Kwame Ture spoke to this. That we do need to look at a model that's more of a cooperative, a model that sees the value of who we are, not based on how much is in our pocket. I think that's fundamental. I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. And, and again, I'm clear that these fraternities and sororities oftentimes look at individual achievement over the collective. If I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi and I'm in prison, ain't nobody coming to see me. But if I'm somebody fancy and got a lot of money in pocket, they're going to have me over every document or every flyer. So, again, that there is an orientation that capitalism sometimes, and that's why I'm very leery when people say, well, by supporting black businesses in itself, and the brother in, 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 in Morgan State, a good brother, Dr. Ball, I mean, he talks about it, you know, the myth of, of black buying power. And, again, some of this stuff keeps us confused. We'll chase things. Even when we look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, there are black folks who are super successful. They still bombed us. I don't think we're going to billionaire our way out of this. I don't think the more black billionaires in Africa or more black billionaires in the United States is actually going to change the, the life of the black masses. Because, again, even when we talk about Mansa Musa, Mansa Musa, and we talk about accumulation of wealth, oftentimes when you see a loci of wealth like that, Something is not necessarily right. So we start looking at Africa before it was a feudal Africa, when it was a communal Africa, where it was a really an extension of families. And the dispersity of wealth was not concentrated in the hands of a few, but it was a part of a collective value because we were family. You know, I, I often tell people when they talk about is it communism, socialism, is it capitalism? I say the model, one of the best models we have of human activity when it's working well is the black family. And your parents don't look at you and objectify you. You know, they don't see you as dragging them down because you, you're not capable because you're only two years old or one years old. They see your value as a part of the extension of who they are, their blood, their, their, their kin. And so there's, there are models out there that show that us having a common sisterhood, uh, familyhood, kinship is probably more powerful than us talking about money. Even when we talk about organized crime, the so-called mafias, they call themselves family. They don't call themselves corporations. 
Yeah, true. I hold that thought right there, Brother Sinclair. We're going to take a short break. And Brother Haki, I think we figured out what's the problem with your line, so we'll get to you as well. Family, you want to join this conversation? Reach out to us at 800 450 7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes at six away from the top of the hour, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top of the air with the D.C.-based activist and humanitarian brother Sinclair Skinner just back from the continent. He was over in Zimbabwe. And we're going to talk about his uh, Pan-African Unity Campaign, also talk about what, what he's doing at Tuskegee, his alma mater, and also the plan to stop the DMV, the violence and the gun violence rather in the DMV, and also the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show that's taking place in Vegas. In fact, that's where he is. And uh, so we got a lot of ground to cover. We're doing all that, though. Brother Haki's been home for a while, and we've been misfired and getting him on the air. He's online too. Brother Haki, good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning, Carl. Can you hear me? Sure. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. And uh, greetings to you, Brother uh, Sinclair. Good to hear you as well. Yeah, good to hear you too, good brother. Humbly, humbly. All right. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, well, uh, first, in terms of Baltimore, I'm going to make sure uh, next year that uh, Nana Kua, you know, has you have you here for her Kwanzaa that we, she's been doing for a <laughs> A significant amount of years, so uh, so put that on your schedule. The, the last day, <laughs> you you will be in Baltimore, all right, <laughs> on the first. Okay, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I miss that. She, she's so wonderful. I I saw it. I definitely saw some of the pictures from it. Yeah. Okay, understand. beautiful, beautiful. Well, I wanted to, you know, interesting. Um, you know, first thing, um, you you mentioned about the party. I I want one quick comment on that, but I want to pivot into Africa, um, you know, myself being in these spaces, in these political democratic spaces, um, I, I've just seen that many of, of the black officials, you know, there's a whole lot of selfishness and personal, like, uh, I mean, cutthroat type of mentality. I mean, it's just, Rampant, and and I I think it's there's a book out, brother. Carl, you I always talk about the the um uh, the peacock elite, uh, and it's the history of the Congressional Black Caucus, and I I see a lot of that in in you know in this Mer, these Merlin spaces, but I want to pivot to Africa because brother, um, you know I, we've done you know my organization teaching us since too we've done conferences in South Africa. Kenya, Tanzania, and and recently Zimbabwe. But recently there was a conference in in uh, Ghana. Well, actually Sunday, yesterday, Carl. I don't know if anybody, you know, sent you you know any clips on this, but it was canceled like right at the last minute. Now, uh, PLO Lumumba was supposed to have been there. Dr. Arakana, Her Excellency, uh, Peter Obi from Nigeria, political person, as well as Julius Malima. And many others, and many individuals came from many places all over Africa, and I'm sure they are diaspora possibly too. But it was canceled at the last minute, citing something to the effect of they had an unforeseen event, prearranged event. Now, my my position was at, at the worst, so at a minimum, it's absolute 
incompetence. And I'm like sort of triggered because I know, like, for instance, if somebody try to put on a conference of such, if we try to do something like that and people fly all the way in booking hotels and it could be catastrophic for, you know, individuals. So I don't know the particular organizers of this. And, you know, I, they didn't have, I didn't see any major Ghanaian uh, activists or thinkers or, uh, uh, you know, politicals, you know, on, on a, uh, as a part of it, but it was at first, you know, approved by the government. They just snatched it away. And I'm just like, man, like, if I'm thinking about business and doing things in Africa and people can just, like, shift and not, you know, accommodate people, I mean, just imagine the type of uh, damage that can happen if you put your, your financial resources into this and somebody can just change at the last minute. But look into that. Uh, call and, and both of y'all. I mean, right. Well, you know, I the mean, brothers. And, and let me just say this real quick because they did send me some information, and I, it's, I posted it on social media. Why was the okay. Guinean convention canceled? As uh, the uh, picture of the Guinean uh, prime minister or president uh, on on the on the top of the story. So people can check that out. Yeah, you're right. We're, we're on top of that, brother Haki. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I don't. I think you bring up a good point. One of the things I think that we don't remember is that that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he, for the most of the time, the, the Nation of Islam told their members not to vote. They didn't participate in the political space. And one of the things I, I, I'm very aware of with organizing in, in Africa, organizing really anywhere is when you start getting involved with the local party apparatus, it gets real tricky real fast. So one of the things I heard, and this is just conjecture, I, I, it's not substantiated, but I think I'm, it, it leads to the overall point I'm trying to make, is someone who was saying that they were trying to start also a new political party that was going to be launched out of this convening of all these amazing brothers and sisters. And... I don't think people realize enough that organizing events and activities, even in America, even in black communities of historically black colleges, I've seen many events canceled. When I was at Tuskegee, we had uh, uh, a brother uh, uh, from the nation. Um, what's the, uh, golly, uh, my point is you, you'll have cancellations of people. We had the Hares, Nathan Hare and his wife. Like there were, there are situations where traditional institutions don't support. Even Martin Luther King initially wasn't allowed to be at Tuskegee University. So, you know, us having, you know, some of our best and brightest minds not be allowed to convene 
in, even in the United States happens today. I'm, I'm you know, again, I'm, I hear this, you know, people organizing around reparations, having a hard time uh, finding places sometimes. So I do think um, these things happen. I think it's unfortunate. But I, I just tell people, if you're organizing, I think, globally, I, I think speak to the issue. When we talk about Pan-Africanism, we tell people we're not here to be a part of partisan or opposition politics. If that's what you're about, there's some other places that you do that. What we're talking about is what can we do uh, as individuals collectively in spite of the local politics, not because of. And I think when organizing that way, I think an honorable Elijah Muhammad in ways understood it, not saying I'm telling people not to vote, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there are consequences when you touch a, a, a little small town or a big city or a state or a country's local politics. Uh, and our focus is, again, making sure that black folks, no matter what party they're in, are safe from uh, the harms of Afrophobia and the system of white supremacist ideology. All right. Brother Hockey, you still with us? Yeah, yeah, well, just, just one more, more comment. Um, okay. well, I preach, no, I'm here. Hello? Go ahead. Yeah, well, I'll just close and say, I just wanted to, you know, just do a little quick plug. Um, you know, this this year we will be in, in uh, Ethiopia um, right after the uh, elections in November for a conference. And so we're galvanizing forces uh, for that to, you know, have a voice to have some conversations with some of the African unions. So I definitely, I'll follow up with you, brother, and you two call. We'll oh, definitely awesome. Work. Thank you, thank you, thank yes, you, thank you. Thank you, awesome. All right, my brother. You. All right. Okay. You, you know, uh, Brother Sinclair, uh, Carla mentioned yesterday that in the DMV, black folks in the DMV spend about $8 billion, B with a B, every month in the DMV. But most of it doesn't go into the black businesses or the black banks. But most, many of it, most, a lot of it coming from black churches and also the black businesses in the DMV area. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, that's, again, I think Dr. Ball out of Morgan, Jared Ball, talks about the myth of uh, black spending power. I, I think there's, there's power, but the power is more about us working collectively. I think the issue of capitalism, people spending money, is it's in itself an institutional thing that. I don't know if we really get how ingrained that is in the society. I think the better use of time is figuring out how those people who are spending that money can collaborate. And we won't even tell them how to spend their money, but we would ask them, do they think their children are worth protecting? And then leverage that energy to help them do what they can do. Your time and again, I, I, I do care about the money, but the time that black folks have is the most powerful. Our brains, when they talk about the resources of Africa and gold, that's a misnomer. It's the brains of Africans that's powered the globe. We have primacy. We're the first civilized people. Our brains, are, I'm in, I've been in Silicon Valley, I'm here in, in, in Las Vegas. The brains of black people have power. What the European, what the colonizer did was not only was rape, kill, and steal, but they did a thing called erasure. Everything that they did, they stole. They took from somebody else. And because the thief, like, if they had so much, they would have stayed where they were. They came here to get what, what we had. They came to North America to get what they had. And so in some ways, when we talk, talk about how much money we got in our pocket, the real value of who we've been, our ancestors, the ones who got us here, who fought 
through their most resourceful things. We don't know how much money Harriet Tubman had. We don't know how much money did the Du Bois die with, but we know they did amazing things. And their amazing things was not something that was attached to their, their physical wealth. So I just think sometimes we get distracted when really, I don't care if you have no money in your pocket, you are powerful. And if we can somehow collaborate and, and say, we no longer are going to allow our children to be victimized. Instead of making our children the villain, we make 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds carjacking a car. First of all, we call them carjackers. They, they're our children. Somebody's doing something to that child if they're in somebody's car. Somebody, that no, no, there's no child. I've been over 60 countries on my own dollar. There's no children that say, I want to go kill folks, that, especially that look like us. So something's being done bad to those children deliberately, and we got to do something deliberate to protect that child. That child is not the villain. We got, and, and listen, this is, I don't want, wish being carjacked on anybody. I don't wish being murdered on anybody, okay? And the impacts of drugs, you know, all these things have hit all our family, including mine. What I'm saying is the way we stop it is not vilifying the victim, Okay. It's literally about us protecting the victim. And, and uh, like I said, Kwame Ture said that. I, if I could, you know, I, I always try to read his words about how anytime you talk about the, the, the victim without including the oppressor, you end up blaming the, the, the victim instead of actually uh, addressing the real issue. And I think in our situation, you, we are clear that we've been able to overcome a lot of the issues that we face. But most, much of that overcoming has come from brothers and sisters with no money in their pocket. They said, Kwame Ture said, anytime you make an analysis of an oppressed people in any aspect of their lives and you leave out the enemy, you will never come to a correct analysis. On the contrary, you will blame the oppressed for all of their problems. Even if one were to talk about the drugs in our community, if you just talk about the drugs and not talk about the enemy, you make no analysis at all if you haven't brought into question of who brings in the drugs, why the drugs are brought in, and what are the purposes are brought in. You would never understand the problem at all. When we speak to the condition of the African masses, we begin with the enemy of the African masses. Full stop. Yeah, and hold that thought right there, because you're bowling down somebody's alley right now, Brother Sinclair. I want you to pick that up when we get back, because there has been a lot of so-called drive-by shootings in the district, and it seems like it's out of control by young people, and sad to say, people who look like us. So I want to hear your thoughts on that, how we can we can stop that or, or curtail some of that activity in the district. Family, you want to join this conversation? Brother Sinclair, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here at 14 after the top of the hour right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning once again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, the brother Sinclair Skinner at the DMV, Washington, D.C. He's a humanitarian, he's also activist, a businessman. Right now he's at the Consumer Electronics Show that's taking place in Las Vegas. We're going to talk to him about that. Before we left, though, we're talking about the violence, uh, the uh, drive-by shootings, the increasing drive-by shootings in Washington, D.C. Uh, let me ask you this, Brother Sinclair. Are there any AI, any new technology that's come down that can stop or, or curtail some of this a activity? Absolutely. There's no, listen, especially when we think about 
Washington, D.C. area. We got ATF, DEA, Homeland Security, FBI, NSA, Park Police, Capitol Police, Metro Police. We got MPD. There's no way in heck that in, in, a, in surveillance society in the capital of the so-called world that people are getting murdered or killed. And if we even look at January 6th, when they talk about that, uh, right before the inauguration of, of, of Biden, they had 15,000 National Guard. And they want me to believe that uneducated, unskilled, young, beautiful black children are able to outwit, outsmart all of those levels of law enforcement consistently in the same areas. Yet they're supposedly are on top of uh, uh, terrorism and all these other things. I, I, I'm very clear that we have the technology. The question is, when are we going to realize that the United States as a system has never wanted us to be alive like we are? All right, let me jump in here and ask you this then, Brother Sinclair, insinuating that if they wanted to, they could stop all this all this violence in the inner cities But because it's between us, our people, our, our young people, especially our young people, they just look the other way? Yeah, I, 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 there's no other, it's inexplicable. There's no way Dred made it all the way to my neighborhood, you know, and I still have family members who binge on cocaine. I've been to Peru. I've seen the coca plant. I'm drinking the tea legally, you know, just because it's for altitude sickness. There's no way that a crop that literally has a growing season, like they got to plant it, they got to water it. They, I mean, this is like a plant. This is not like some, this is literally a plant that has to grow through agriculture that then has to be processed and then get to my neighborhood. And then the money, and this is millions and billions of money, got to be moved across country. No one sells this with, with pesos. It's all being done in USD, dollars. Guess who controls dollars? The United States government or the, the reserve. So my point is you can't have a global operation of drug trafficking, weapons trafficking, and human trafficking without the complicit uh, uh, involvement of the U.S. government. This is no, you're not going to be able to have organized crime. Now, haphazard Ad hoc crime, knife crimes, that's probably going to be very difficult because someone get upset and pull out the butcher knife and stab their own cousin. I'm talking about organized crime where you, you got people organizing through phones, through activities, guns that are manufactured, bullets that are manufactured, not in our neighborhood, drugs that are grown literally overseas that have to get here through planes or boats. And to tell me that the government has no clue. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense in a surveillance society where everything is being watched. They're tracking every license plate, and you're going to tell me that JoJo and Ray Ray are outsmarting all these levels? That to me is more like you'd have to. That sounds like a conspiracy theory. To think that JoJo and Ray Ray are conspiring to outwit all these layers of law enforcement—that's a conspiracy theory to me. Yeah. Uh, I, 
Yeah, and, and Gary Webb uh, showed that too in, in his uh, Dark right. Alliance series. You know, and <laughs> it's a long story there with Gary he, Webb. He but decided, yeah, he killed himself shooting himself twice in the head. Who does right. that? So, so they say, but he knew he knew the the dangers of when he when you know when he started researching how the drugs were brought into the country and little let me just share this with you. He was listening to the program once with, with Dick Gregory was on and Dick Gregory said we need to investigate just what you just said. That's what Greg said, and he called and says, "Man, I'm I'm gonna take up that offer. I'm gonna do it." And and he was keeping us surprised all along the way where whatever he found out because he, he wasn't Ricky Ross. Ricky Ross, his brother, would call in every every Friday. We had on the phone Friday, uh, David, and he called me and says, "Hey man, my brother didn't do. It. My brother was set up. You know, he, he got so much people thought that you you were just defending your brother. You you don't know what was going on, but it was real. So and Gary shared with him some of the information, and they put two and two together, and that's how Dark Alliance came about. And he shared it with uh, uh, wow. Carson Maxine Waters. There's a whole story of that. I'm trying to get his son on one these, these days to, you know, his son was young when when his, his dad died, but his son doesn't know how much he did for the black community. We, I mean, we we blow the story wide open so much so that the the uh, CIA had to come to L.A. and have a, a conference, and they wanted to speak with us. And with there, we I remember they're sitting there with Steve Copeland. and says, "No, they're going to they're going to try and trot you out and try to use you," and they, and that's what they did. Uh, some of the more black leaders went there, and they had a uh, a meeting at a school. And the CIA had to come out and, and and deny that they did that, but most, but that it was too late. Well, but that it's a long story. I'll, if I get his son on, we'll, we'll get deeper into it. It's a long story of what he did, but yeah, that that's interesting. But he, he proved the point that that the, the the government was uh, complicit in bringing uh, drugs into our community and setting up, uh, you know, some of the folks in in L.A. So, but so anyway, I, but I just but can I, can I say, I, I'm not saying that we need to either do what the government's doing or start going after people in the government. I think, and this is the part that I'm maybe going too far, this behavior of the U.S. government is unsustainable. It's literally unnatural, and it's going to have its own demise. My concern now at this point at 54 is what are we going to create to replace this? And what are we going to do to protect ourselves from this government behavior? And when I say protect, I think that especially in an area like the metropolitan D.C., we have enough concentration of brothers like Haki. We got enough folks that we could create a safety net that literally makes sure that our children aren't being murdered with guns. And I'm just saying that the other part where I'm trying to, like, I'm not trying to chase down the, the Congressional Black Caucus to get them to change. I think the black masses have enough, the technologies that we have now allow us to connect and organize in ways that would not have been possible just 10 years ago. We got these powerful computers in our, our pockets. And I'll hear people say, well, they can track you. Listen, they already track you. Stop that. Like that's I mean, I'm not trying to I'm not giving into it. I'm just saying the question is what are we doing? Not what is the enemy doing per se. What are we doing to protect ourselves? And I'm saying we don't have to quit our jobs, we don't have to be millionaires. If we all just spent a couple hours out of our week focused on protecting our community, the DMV area probably has the best concentration of folks to do so 
and our children will no longer be victimized. And what comes from that? Out of that means our children are going to be more creative, they're going to be more productive, and a lot of the issues that our generations didn't figure out, they're going to figure out. But we got to make sure they're safe so that their little brain computers can figure out these things. I'm at CES, and they're talking about low code and no code. They're right now coming out with language, like programming, where they use natural language, meaning this has already existed, but now it's getting to be very sophisticated, where you don't have to program using C++ or, 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 or uh, 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 any Ruby on Rails or, or Python, which is what we use. You can now just use, I want this app to do this, and you just say what you want it to do. Issues like dealing with foreign languages, like one of the issues we have with organizing our people collectively. There's AI and there's development going on where we can create applications that no matter what indigenous language, we can talk to each other without us having to go and learn and study for years the other language. There are things, there are tools, but what happens, what I noticed in Silicon Valley, because Brother had asked about raising money and where we get our money from. I would have loved to got money from uh, uh, a lot of these big uh, 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 venture capitalists. But they're racist. The system, the venture capitalist system is just like uh, uh, Wall Street. It's just like any of these other. They're not inclusive because they're exclusive. And they only invest in people and projects that they are interested in. And none of them are in interested in the crisis that we face uh, in our community. And that's consistent. If Silicon Valley was in Alabama, we would understand Silicon Valley. No question why they don't invest in these projects. We got two black co-founders. Our solution is crowdsourcing information from the black community. The market that we're doing this for is the black community. That is not going to be funded by anybody who's a part of this system. We're going to have yeah. to fund it ourselves, and that's what we're doing. But I'm saying we have the tools to now protect our people bigger than we had when Webb and, 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 and may rest in peace, uh, 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 Dick Gregory was alive. We have the tools. We have to use them. And too often the black folks who do know these tools are using them to build something for the government or to make other people rich. We need to get more of the folks who are doing the good work on the street matched up with the brothers and sisters who understand the technology. And that's what we're doing with I Love Black People because we, this is something we can stop. Like it's not natural for 12-year-olds to be shooting folks. Like there's no place in the world but some type of war-torn place where they're actually making child children be soldiers where little kids are shooting and killing and taking people's cars. This doesn't happen anywhere in the world. This is not natural. So yeah. we shouldn't think that, that, that this is so hard to stop. It's not happening any other place but here. Why? We can stop it. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Uh, we, now, Cancer, we have to stop because nobody else is going to do it. You know, we, this is, these, and I keep telling our family that this is, these are our problems. Even if you may not live in Baltimore or you may not live in D.C. or any or Chicago or South Central where, where these things happen. But these are our family, and that's why they happen because we, uh, some of us are waiting for somebody else to come in and solve the problem. They don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I can say it again. They're not coming. Hey, Khalid Muhammad used to say, "Black man, you're on your own." He used to say that repeatedly. He says, "You got to understand that." Yeah, Dr. Khalid, that's what he was saying. But hold on a second here, uh, Brother Sinclair. We're gonna take another quick break. When we come back, Bob in Baltimore and Terrence in Los Angeles, I have questions for you, family. You two can join this conversation with Sinclair Skinner. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV. On FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, Sinclair Skinner. Sinclair is an activist, a humanitarian based in Washington, D.C. We'll go back to you in a moment, though. Let me just remind you, coming up later this morning, we're going to speak to the President General of the Universal African People's Organization, that'd be Juan Zaki Baruti, based in St. Louis. And later this week, we're going to hear from uh, Brother Ray Wimbush, Dr. Wimbush, who teaches at Morgan State University, and also Dr. of Clinical Psychology, Jeff Mentors, is going to be here. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio is locked in, tuned in real tight on 1010 WLB. If you're in the DM, V run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Well, listen, I'm sure you got some folks who want to talk to you, so let's take some calls for you on line four. Terrence is calling from uh, Los Angeles. Good morning, Terrence. Yeah, good morning. Call reparations in memory of our ancestors. And uh, to the brother, I've been listening uh, intentively to what you're saying. Um, I, he- I heard frustration, and you mentioned something about the government using artificial intelligence to stop black children from doing drive-bys? Is that what you mentioned? No, what I said is that the government's not going to do anything for us. I'm saying there's technology that we can use to protect ourselves. The government is the problem. This, is, this government is doing what they're supposed to. They're doing what they want to do. It's not, it's not broken. It's intentional. So we, the people, the, the black masses, have to use the tools that we've, and, and this is not new. Our ancestors used the tools they had. Well, we have some additional tools, and oftentimes we don't use those. And that's what I'm saying. Not the government. The government is consistently, for the last, you know, 400 years, the United States, before it was the United States, it's consistently killed black people. It's not stopped. It's never said it wanted to stop from COINTELPRO to anything else. It is not going to stop. Now, what we need to do is stop waiting for it or waiting for an election or waiting for politicians to come save us. We want to save ourselves. Yeah, yeah, right. here, so I'm saying these are the tools. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because uh, as far as any type of uh, AI or anything like that, I mean, it's basic. You know, we have to, uh, it starts in the home, starts with the family. Uh, Dr. Cress Welsing, I mean, she 
laid it out in the ISIS papers. Other of our ancestors laid it out, just the basics. We have to go back to the basics. And it starts with the family. It starts with before we even create children, you know, understanding the science of mating, understanding the uh, morals and values and certain codes of conduct and, and the way that we uh, 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 interact with one another. I mean, so, it, uh, you know, it doesn't take any type of uh, uh, really intelligence or, or modern technology. We just have to go back to the basics, brother. You know, that, that's all it takes. But the child, I want to give you an example. I'm an engineer. So there was a time when we used to build, I, I built incubators. I, I, unfortunately, I built weapons of mass destruction that McDonald Douglas making weapons, F-18. But there was times when they actually built these where they literally had to use physical models to build them. It took a long time. Now there's ways to use technology to digitize that. They can actually use digital models that actually not only can replicate what an actual full-blown, you know, mechanically designed aircraft prototype, they can do it without, in like a tenth of the time, for not even near the cost. Let's suppose we start modeling uh, programs that we have in our community. There's so many, so much data that's out there now that we can literally say, if I do this program like this, these based, based on what he, you're saying about uh, family, these basics, you can now extrapolate. It, if we have this baseball team and they hit the ball like this, this is the likelihood of how successful it's going to be. Well, if we have this project in our community, these are the outcomes we can see. Not like guaranteed like you're looking in the future, but feedback loops that can help you build projects to protect ourselves using technology that, that help us model it for, without us having the money to, to try the program. You, you get a grant for $10,000. You think that you, this is going to work, this is going to work. You realize it didn't work out right. So now you're going to go apply for another 10000 or try to raise enough. Well, what we're saying is maybe for no money, you could actually leverage some of the technology we have available if we had the, the practitioners who understand the problem on the ground, working with black folks who understand the technology, we can apply the same modeling to help us optimize the time and, and resources we have. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying replace our brains. I'm saying our brains are going to have to drive this. I'm saying that the tools that we're using could be digital and they actually could be uh, the tools that allow us to, to leverage trending data that's been accumulated over years. That's all I'm saying. Right. And you mentioned Dr. Francis Cross Wilson. One of the things Dr. Wilson says, part of the problem is many of our folks who can solve our problems, they're working on the white side of the chessboard instead of the black side of the chessboard. That's the issue. That's something that you alluded to as well. So, so I, I thank you, Terrence. Thanks for yeah, your phone call. And, and Mr. Farrakhan talked about that at the Million Man March. They produce us. They give us goodies. The capitalism, yeah. again, it goes back to this thing. That you, you, you spent all this time in school, your mom and dad, you know, or your mama gave all her life to, so that you could be successful. Now, don't you want to buy her a nice house? Don't you want to spend money? Well, you, in order to buy the house, you better take this job. And the liberation struggle ain't necessarily the highest paying job. So, again, it's not like it's, we're dumb. We live, in a cap, we live in a system that seduces us. Not overnight. It doesn't just say, sell out your people. It says, don't you want to take care of your grandmama? Well, you're going to have to take this job. And you're going yeah. to, to keep this job, you're going to have to do this thing. 
So we're not like animals or we're monsters. The, the system, every time we overcome something, the system gets more sophisticated and it learns from the previous mistakes it made and it comes up with new things. We got to be that dynamic. We can't keep talking about we're going to go back to how we did it in 1965. Look, brother, they already studied 1965. They figured out what they did wrong in 65, and they got a new improve in 2024. We need to be new improve in 2024. We got to stop saying, I'm just going to do what no, they, they figured it out. They worked right. in 1965. But it's like you can't run that play. They, 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 you know, the Michigan won last night. You, you know they were still in signals. So I'm saying they know every every time Washington did a, a move on the offensive, they knew what was going on. So I'm saying don't be like Washington. Know they read your signs and come up with something else. And stop being so righteous and being the same way you were 20 years ago. There's nothing righteous about that. All right, hold that thought right there. We got to take some more calls for you. Thirteen away from the top of the hour. Mark's on line three, calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning. How y'all doing, man? And, and thank you, brother. Um, you know, uh, uh, what y'all doing in in in, in D.C. You know, the the strong woman, um, mayor. You know, she she uh, uh, declared a state a state of emergency, and it's like you said, this is not normal. Uh, what's going on in our cities. And, and, you know, we got all these intellectuals call and, you know, all it ain't brain surgery. Captain Andrew is a captain in, 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 in the, uh, the Muslim world. And he's our executive director. We are us here in, in Baltimore, Maryland, that brother can go to we are org and see for the first time uh, in Baltimore, we got everybody in a long time, on the same page here. People can take a, a page out of that book. Last night, I was at the, um, the uh, Stop the, the, the Violence rally over at Bishop uh, 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 Elliott's church on Park Heights. He's one of our uh, bishop leaders. He's one of our pastor leaders, and we are us. And, and Dr. Tyrone Powell was on the panel, Dr. Bundy, uh, and, and um, uh, this, the, the deputy uh, commissioner here, sister, uh, Monique Brown, everybody's on the same page. We had children, uh, Carl, sitting up in the first, second row, rows. Um, Captain Andrew brought them up, Baltimore Brothers. They worked with the young people and stuff like that. And, and Dr. Bundy said it's going to take black men to stand up, stop running their mouth, get involved to help our young people weoutusmovement.org and they brought, they explained it you know everybody's on the right and I understand uh, Mark that it was is a packed house it was almost standing room only there last night packed, not only oh, that's was good packed, the, the lady said um her son was murdered and she's she's working with us we got Baltimore sisters working with the young ladies and all that guess what the the district of the uh, the public defender lady bougie uh, uh, lady behavior. She still don't have a clue. They explain, you know. Uh, 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 I, I tell you what, though, because we come up on a break. Put it, put in a question for him so Sinclair can respond okay. to you. What you say? All right. Let me let me just say, Dr. Tyrone Powell said we got a million young people, students, homeless in the United States. Carl, you said something. We got a lot of black leaders that 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 uh. You know, just ain't doing what they supposed to be doing. We got a, we got ten million dollars that we had to get back to the Fed because they in, in the homelessness in Baltimore money because they mismanaged it. 
What do you think about stuff like that, brother? Yeah, I, I think it's about yeah, I think it's about accountability. Uh, the, the mayor of Washington D.C., Mira Bowser, I love her. She's amazing. I think what happens though is that we got to support the folks that we put in office if we, we put them there. I think one of the things that happened to Carmen Krumah, a lot of our people, you know, we talk about leadership, but we don't even t- we don't talk about followership. We don't talk about how do we, when we get the things or get the people in office, what do we do to, to best support them? So in, in D.C., I, I know Mira Bowser, who's somebody who adopted a child. While, while she's in office, she adopted a, a beautiful little girl because she her, her her personal care. But then again, at the same time, the work that we have to do to support politicians that we think are doing the right thing requires us to do that, not just on Election Day, but that's every day. And that's the problem with what we think about this electoral political system. We think it's a every two years, every four year thing. It's an everyday thing. There are populations that are much smaller than ours as black people that get more out of politics because they're not doing it as if it's a, a, a annual event. They see politics as a as an hourly minute by minute event. We're talking about right now bombings going on in Gaza. We're clear that somebody's agenda is being met by that. So we got to understand we got to do deliberate things to make sure our agenda is getting met. So I do think there's a role that we play in holding uh, uh, ourselves as well as the politicians accountable. But it starts with us, our involvement. And don't wait for Election Day. Don't wait for a crisis. That means every day, what are you doing to move your agenda forward? What are you doing individually? And then get with other folks collectively. And I don't see the black agenda being monolithic. My number one thing might be violence. Your number one thing might be the, the, the environment. That's okay. Your number two might be violence. And my number one might be reparations. You may not be in. That might be your number 20. I'll cash your check, but that don't mean you're going to talk bad about me. We can collaborate on our agendas based on the priorities that we set. We don't have to be monolithic, but that we do have to be committed. And that means every day, not just when it comes up. All right, good point. 800-450-7876. Thank you, uh, Mark, for your phone call. Let's go to Lawrence on on line two. Come on, Brad, but let's go to Lawrence on line two, calling us from Texas. Lawrence, you're on with Sinclair Skinner. Hey, uh, Carl, the conversation is a much-needed conversation that you brothers are having this morning, but I got one thing to say, and I've been a militant ever since the day I was born, and I think I know what the answer is to our problem in the black community. And everybody likes to dance around, but nobody likes to talk about it. Point is, here's the point. Until we get a handle on our young kids and this promiscuity that's running rapid in the black community, everything we do is worth nothing. Because as long as babies keep making babies in the black community, babies are going to keep killing babies in the black community. And you brothers, y'all touched around it, but y'all didn't just come home. All right. Hold up thought right there, Lawrence, because we got to take a, sh- a short break. I'll let you finish your thought, and then I will give the Sinclair a chance to respond to what you're saying. Family, you want to join us? Reach, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Six away from the top. I'll be back in four minutes with Lawrence finishes his question for Brother Sinclair right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're rolling on FM 95.9. And AM fourteen fifty W O L where information is power. Keep-
And good morning once again, family. Minute after the top of the hour with Brother Sinclair Skinner, uh, Brother Zaki Brudy, who is the President General of the Universal African People's Organization, is on deck. We'll get to him momentarily. But let's wrap up with Brother Sinclair. Before we left for the break, we're speaking with Lawrence Connors from the Metroplex uh, down in Dallas area of Texas. So, Lawrence, can you put in a question for him so Brother Sinclair can respond? Appreciate it. Thank okay, you. Yeah. Yeah, hey, hey you, you brothers are fantastic. Hey, check this out. I've been wondering why black folks won't take control of their kids. It ain't just that black folks are scared. It's just that black folks are having inner turmoil on whether or not they need to stand up against homosexuality, pedophilia. All these things are killing the black community. We can't mimic the white man and how he do business. And we can go back to how we used to do business, two-parent homes, you know, versions until they got married or close to they got married. We know what to do to clean up our act. But here's the point. Black folks are wrestling with the question on homosexuality. Homosexuality is not conducive toward black people and black families. But do you see any politician or any preacher or anybody just saying, hey, look, stop this promiscuity. Stop this homosexuality. It's real simple. Get back to basics. All right. Raise let's let's give him a chance to respond, Lawrence, uh, and next time call earlier so we can uh, really dig drill down in that particular topic. Brother Sinclair, your thoughts on what he just said. I think the brother has a very strong point. Talking about people's sexuality and their sexual behavior is one of those areas where you're dealing with people's personal lives. It can get real tricky. But I think he's right. When you see politicians and you start looking at how they move as it relates to that, you're, you're not going to get a lot of uh, feedback. But then second, promiscuity, I, I will, the only thing I would push back is that I'm always concerned about people trying to control our population. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, when they always talk about there's too many people, there's always us, you know, and where where other communities, they're trying to get them to have more babies. And if we, the brother said going back, going back, you know, many folks had, children younger uh, in our communities. You know, my, my mom, even, I, I think about it, you know, had my brother, she was a junior in high school. So, you know, there's, there's you know, again, I think us having a, a healthy population is important, but as it relates to people's orientation and their, their, their preferences, I think that's something that politically uh, we seem to be very difficult for politicians to speak about, absolutely. You know what, Brother Sinclair, we didn't get a chance to talk about what you're doing at Tuskegee, alma mater. Uh, can you briefly, quickly tell us? Yes, absolutely. We have a leadership uh, endowment that we're raising a million dollars for Tuskegee around literally supporting, you know, we just had a big football game. So there's a lot of money going into making athletes better athletes. And even people talk about how there are uh, good leadership skills that come out of a- a- athleticism. Or ROTC, they have businesses going off war to kill, and they talk about how good that is. But there's oftentimes students like myself and others who were in student government, who were in the debate team, and we realize that we need to have those folks coached up and supported too. So what we're doing for the students who are, you know, who see organizing as a part of their responsibility as students, we want to make sure they develop the right leadership skills so they can be courageous and bold. And we're doing a million-dollar leadership endowment where the proceeds from the endowment will be used 
to develop uh, our future leaders uh, in student government as well as other similar type uh, uh, activities for students. And we're asking for folks, even if you didn't go to Tuskegee, uh, understand the, the role Tuskegee has played in the lives of black people uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma to, you know, the Booker T. Washington and George Washington Carver, you know, it's super amazing. So please uh, check us out. Uh, you can always get information about what we're doing on ILoveBlackPeople.com. ILoveBlackPeople.com. All right. Thank you, Brother Sinclair. Thank you for what you do, man. And, and thank you for keep the fires burning. When, next conversation, I want to talk to you about the, the CES, the where you're at now in Las Vegas, the Consumer Electronics Show. And if you can fill us in next time and tell us some of the new products that are coming down the line, we'll really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Big Brother Carl. Thank you for all you do and continue to do. And love to talk to you about some of this offline. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Oh, of course, sure. All right, we'll talk later. Thank you, uh, Brother Sinclair Skinner. That's Sinclair Skinner. Skinner, he's an activist, a humanitarian based in Washington, D.C. As you mentioned, he's got the uh, Pan-African Unity Campaign related to the Green Book. It's a book that he set up that if you need a, a black-friendly doctor, dentist, a, a carpenter, electrician, or somebody to talk to, you know, that book will provide all that information anywhere in the world. It's online. It's an app. So you can just uh, Google it. I love black people. You get all the information there. 800-450-7876. Uh, sixth half of the top. Yeah. Good morning, Brother Zaki Baruti. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, sir. And good morning to you as well as your listening audience. And like always, I just want to compliment you at the start of this year for your great work as it relates to putting out the issues in front of our people, the issues that impact us and providing solutions if only the people are actualized working on the solutions. And just uh, may God continue to bless your, your work. All right. Thank you for those kind words. Well, let's get started. Before we go to politics, let's start with education, because that's your, your, that's where you're from as an educator. That's where you everything started for you. And as we've spoken before, the, the educational system of this country is not designed for our students to, su- to succeed, designed to make them fail. So having now that we know that, Brother Zaki, what we uh, what do we do as parents? Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Well, first of all, uh, I'm in total agreement. Uh, as a former educator myself uh, in East St. Louis School District 189, I was uh, out of my observations daily in terms of what was taking place there. in a predominant, 100% almost black school district. Uh, what uh, motivated me to write two educational booklets 
focusing on what was taking place uh, in East St. Louis, as well as really reflective of many school districts across the country. And one of my first booklets, which was published in 1980, was entitled Challenge, the Building of a Clean, Prosperous Black Community Through Our Educational System, as opposed to the conspiracy. Then I followed up the following year in 1981 with the publication of the second one, which was the challenge part two, can we do it? And uh, first of all, when I spoke of the challenge of, I mean, the conspiracy of silence, I was pointing out the fact that in the district that I worked at, many times uh, there were many good teachers who would be sitting around in the teacher's lounge complaining about the conditions of the schools, you know, among themselves, but didn't have the nerve to speak publicly or at the various school boards about the kind of conditions that were existing in the school. And I'll give you a couple of real examples at that time when I first started teaching and uh, and my first, uh, I went into the school system, say, in 1971, 1972 at the approximately. But my first year of teaching at a junior high school, I had to paint my own classroom because it was uh, in uh, real bad condition, put up my own bulletin board uh, as one example. And then also I had to organize some of the young teachers at that time. On Saturdays, we would come in and make repairs to the gymnasium because the gymnasium was closed, and so the children didn't have an opportunity to go to the gym to do exercising or any kind of intramural sports and what have you. All at the same time, I also organized and cleaned up campaigns within the school, and this was at uh, Rock Junior High School. Yet we had- and, and let me jump in. What, what year was this, uh, Brother Zaki? He, he had to do right, all this? This was right in 1972, 73, 74. So during that period, also, uh, the school district was, in terms of the students, like I say, was close to 100% black. Yet you had a, a disproportionate number of white teachers also. And in many instances, sometimes the teachers uh, weren't teaching at all. The students, was it was raucous, raucous, raucous in their classrooms. And uh, other teachers, the good teachers, would know about it, but they'd be scared to say anything about it. And so, you know, by the grace of God, he so, so let me get this. So, so when when the teachers are in the classroom, they're just letting the children just run buck wild. Is that what you tell hey, us? That they, they it was buck wild. Wow, wow, buck wild. I'm talking about buck wild. And as uh, and these are predominantly white teachers, then, because uh, you so know. Well, you had actually, though, I mean, it was a, a, a disproportionate number of white teachers teaching, teaching in the school district. Not saying all of them were like that, but at the same time, not only were some white teachers doing that, there were other black uh, people of color, shall I say, allowing uh, no teaching was taking place in essence. So that motivated me to write the booklet, as I said, uh, uh, challenge the building of a clean, prosperous black community through our educational system as opposed to the conspiracy. And the conspiracy that I was pointing out was the conspiracy of silence. Uh, and that also that sil silence extended not only among the educators, 
but as a community of people who uh, many people in the community knew about the many poor, dilapidated schools that existed and, and the political uh, leadership failed to address that. And uh, so you had a school board at that time that uh, was filled with people who just didn't give a damn about our young people. That was on the real side. And so to that end, uh, you know, I began to address that in my booklet. As well as part of my booklet, I began to pose various questions that needed to be asked in terms of what was the school system doing to empower our people. And one question, my and I had uh, approximately about eight or different uh, 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 up to about 20 different questions as to uh, uh, that our educational institutions needed to unravel to begin the task of building clean and prosperous black communities. And the very first question was, where is where was the master educational plan to build up our predominantly black communities. Like at that time, as I said, I lived in East St. Louis, but also I cited other com black communities such as Pineline, Kenlock, and so on. And then I pointed out the fact that uh, you had all these people with master's and uh, doc doctor degrees running around in the district, but someone forgot to mention that we need some concrete future plans for our people. Uh, so that was one of the main questions that I was asking publicly, along with, is, is, do you mind me sharing a couple other questions? That I, actually, no, hold on, throw that, because we're coming up on a break. I'll let you do that when we get oh. back. But let me just say this and okay. shout out to the teachers in Washington, D.C., the D.C. Teachers Union. Today, with 101 days so far, they've been working without a contract. Just think about that for a minute. They've been working without a contract. What does that do to your psyche? The, you know, when the city won't give you a contract, they want you to work, but they just don't want to work on your terms. I don't know if it's a power play, but the the head of the union sent me a note and says that it's 100 days now that they've been working without a contract. And this is what some of our teachers have to go through. Family, you want to join this conversation with Brother Zaki Baruti? We're going to talk about politics as well. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 or 14 after the top. I'll be back in four minutes with Brother Zaki right here in uh, Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Be 21 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest brother Zaki Baruti. He's the president general of the Universal African People's Organization. He's based in St. Louis. He's an activist in that city, but he was a former educator, and many of us have already come to the conclusion the education system in this country is failing our students, whether they're doing deliberately or, do, or just by accident. Well, that's up to debate, but right now we've got to figure out a way how we can get our, make it work for us, for our children. So, brother uh, Zaki, I'm going to let you finish your thought. Yeah, uh, but first of all, uh, at, uh, as we're concluding the first section, I just want to send out a salute to those educators that's on strike. Uh, I believe they're on strike or without pay as they're working. They're, they're actually uh, working, Brother Zaki. They're, they're, they're still, they go, they're putting the work. You know, they're at work right now. Classes are starting in, in D.C., but they, they don't have a contract, and it's 100 right. days now. Right. And I, I wanted to raise that because part of my background included being a union activist. 
In fact, uh, for East St. Louis Federation of Teachers Local 1220, I was the second vice president for a number of years, as well as the political action chairperson. So I uh, so I do stand in solidarity with uh, teachers union asking for more pay or better. Well, well, let me ask you this though, because you mentioned about strike. Is it is it advisable for teachers to strike? Well, that's the only method, uh, basically, to be uh, utilized to gain, uh, you know, better uh, working conditions as well as, uh, you know, increasing salaries. And we did uh, uh, have several strikes uh, in uh, East St. Louis, of which, uh, as second vice president, I was responsible for uh, making sure that we had solidarity on the picket lines and not have folks uh, across the picket line, you know, uh, as we used to call them, scabs. And by and large, we were very successful at that. Although I remember one year about three people did cross the picket lines, but later on they were paid a visit and uh, they didn't cross no more <laughs> during the strike. Right. Uh, let me just say this, but as far as teachers striking, some cities now have laws against teachers that the teachers can't strike. So, yeah, I just want to throw that in there because I'm not sure if it's if, if that's what's going on in the district or if that's going on in other cities as well. But I know some cities, teachers cannot, uh, you know, strike. But go ahead. Cause you, you said this is what you guys did in St. Louis, right? East St. Louis. East St. Louis, yeah. East St. Louis, Illinois, not actually St. Louis, Missouri. There's a, you know, two different uh, cities in two different states. So I was raised in East St. Louis, Illinois, which also digressing in terms of my own personal experience through the educational system. Uh, I gr- actually graduated from high school in 1965, but during my school year, uh, I went to all black school system, which were, I had great, educators, but somewhere between 19, when I graduated and eventually finished college and came back to the school district, there was a qualitative shift from real great teachers, because I can cite about nine, ten teachers that really had a great influence on me. They were very professional, and they stimulated a desire for learning for, I know myself, and a number of other uh, of my uh, classmates during that period of time. And um, so when I began teaching, though, there was an apparent shift in the predominantly because uh, many of the schools when I grew up were segregated, actually, you know, predominantly black school district, I mean, schools within that same school district. But when I began teaching, and the students are still predominant uh, black. You had a little bit more influence of white teachers, as I had made mention earlier. And then the quality of uh, teaching just looked like dissipated in a sense. And so, again, that was one of my motivations for writing the booklet, as well as I was very outspoken in terms of uh, publicly about the conditions to such an extent that uh, I eventually was removed from the high school, uh, the high school that I had eventually uh, went to from the junior high school because uh, I called out uh, what I call a real Negro principal for some of the things that was taking place at the high school I worked at, which was East St. Louis, Illinois. And even to this day, uh, I always say this publicly, if I had an army, <laughs> 
I would send that army to go get this Negro principal, bring him into a town square, tie him up uh, upside down, take all his clothes off and whoop him publicly for what I considered the damage that he'd done to our children at the high school and how he ran the high school. So... Uh well, we've got to get involved, more involved, and that's what it is. And and that's you know we can't sit there and because we know it's it's failing our children. But what are we what are we doing, brother Zaki? You're not in the system anymore. You you're a former educator. But what what advice would you have for the teachers and the union leaders of, of today? What, what would you tell them that well, they have to do? Well, you know, because uh, I still love our students. In fact, as head of the Universal African People's Organization, because you just can't. Talk about a problem without trying to do whatever you can to solve that problem. As an organization in the past, too, we have organized like book drives uh, that we donate a couple hundred uh, books to the East St. Louis Public Library that were Afrocentric. But right here in St. Louis, Missouri, our uh, organization has adopted a uh, elementary school that's in a very impoverished area in St. Louis. And each year we uh, gather up school supplies that we uh, provide for the students during the winter hour, uh, winter time. We also uh, have campaigns to solicit uh, skull caps, gloves, socks, and other needed items that many students don't have as they prepare to go to school. And so we also encourage, uh, you know, activists and what have you, which uh, I have tried to set an example to go to school board meetings to address some of those issues that impact us. And then it goes back to another thing, though. We have to have people out of our community who know the problem exists that be willing to uh, become candidates for school board uh, uh, member membership, which, again, uh, we have a failing in that because many of the activists, for whatever reason, do not challenge the system politically and so uh so so those are the critical issues that as a people that we got to get up off our behind and get more involved and why should even if you don't have children in the public schools why should it be a concern to you uh, it should be a concern because those young people that come out of school say functional illiterate, and many times they, uh, there are many students that come out functional illiterate, and that's a crime as I see it because many times you have social promotions of folks who uh, have no grasp of uh, uh, literacy or math. Uh, I can cite an example one time and mess me up called for real. Uh, and I liked this student. I was teaching at uh, what was called Alternative High School. And I was uh, giving uh, the students a basic vocabulary test. And uh, many of them, uh, and I had gotten this test that tested students from their uh, uh, understanding of vocabulary words from the third grade to the college level, down through 12th grade. And many of the students could not master beyond the sixth grade that were in the 12th grade, if you understand what I'm saying. And i never forget, I had the students grading uh, each other's tests, and the test went up to, say, 120 questions, and you had to subtract the uh, missed words from the correct uh, total number that is. 
And one student, again, 12th grader, he was about 17, 18, couldn't provide an answer, simple, simple mathematical question. And I was trying to figure out how he could not figure it out. He did not know how to place his numbers in the correct position to subtract. Now, how would he get to the 12th grade and not able to do basic math? So you had that as another critical issue in our community. And so that speaks of two things. One, educators uh, letting that happen, as well as parents not providing the kind of environment for the young people to learn. So we would have, so I'm saying then that we need to have a community riot campaign that uh, through social media that encourages our students to read books. And in fact, on that end, our organization is looking at a campaign uh, for a black history to provide books at this school that we have adopted, Wallbridge, for every grade level, uh, you know, some type of black history book. And I'm just throwing that out. That's a, a project that we are looking at doing and getting an assessment of the economic cost for that. And so organizations, I'm saying, should all those so-called progressive organizations that are out here in our community should begin to adopt different schools provide the kind of uh, 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 needed supplies that I just shared, school supplies, uh, as well as personal items to the students, and then uh, begin trying to work with the schools to provide mentorship for some of the students that uh, do not have the positive role models in their homes. And that's another thing in my booklet that I call for, because uh, as an educator, again, practicing what you preach, Many times I would bring into my classroom as I taught history people who I felt uh, were very positive images in our community to stimulate our students beyond just me teaching, you know, the regular curriculum. Uh, so uh, that's another area that uh, as a community that we need to pressure school districts to create special role model programs to bring in people who uh, have certain expertise that can stimulate our students to want to go into the prof uh, professions. Like I, uh, in the past, brought in a couple of airline pilots, uh, uh, doctors, et cetera, you know, because too many times in our community, uh, our young people don't have those kinds of images in their homes because many of their parents are just basically surviving on low income jobs and what have you. And then another issue that I say that needs to be addressed per the school system, and that's, first of all, uh, undoing the present curriculum. I think the curriculum is totally out of uh, whack with what we as a race need. And we need to have a curriculum that help guides our young people into skilled professions such as mathematicians, engineers, architects, biologists, and along with that, making sure that they have an understanding of our great and glorious uh, contribution to world history and knowing about those who have fought for the liberation of us as a people. So 
Oh, money. that is so true. Hold that thought right there, Brother Zaki. We've got to take a short break. And Bill in Baltimore has a question for you, along with Money Mike as well. Family, you two can join this discussion with Brother Zaki Baruti. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. or 26 minutes away from the top. Yeah, we're back in four minutes, though, with your phone calls in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. In the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. Before we go back to him, though, let me just remind you, coming up uh, in the next few days, you're going to hear from Dr. Ray Wimbush from Morgan State University and also Dr. of Clinical Psychology. Jeff Menzies will join us as well. So if you're in Baltimore, make sure your radio's locked in on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So I mentioned before the break, Bill's been holding, uh, wants to speak with Brother Zaki. He's on line one. He's calling from Baltimore. Good morning, Bill, and Happy New Year. Yes, sir. Same to you, Mr. Nelson. Same to Zaki. And thank you for this opportunity. First, I just need to say is I want to just thank Zaki for being a, an example and a mentor to me because over 30 years ago, I mean, over 30, 35 years ago, Zaki had put together uh, black people uh, uh, political conventions, uh, trying to get black people to run for major offices. Uh, Zaki stepped up to use himself as an example and ran for governor twice in the state of Missouri. So, you know, with Zaki saying, he had truly lived. But my point is this, Carl, if I could just make three quick points. When we talk about the school system today, then we have to question, we have more money, we're supposed to have more smarter people, but the, but the school system is worse today than what it was 40 years ago. That's one point. My other point is that, you know, we have black political leadership, in my opinion, that's a lot weaker today than it was years ago. So I guess my point is this. As black African people in this here country, I mean, in some respects, are we not in a subtle uh, uh, state just like the Palestinians people without recognizing our true conditions? So my question becomes this, is that, you know, even though we have to try everything, but in truth, is it anything short of a true rebellion or a true revolution that's going to change this system to make this uh, living document as the Constitution live up to what it was written to be? That's my question to, to Zaki. Is there anything short of a true revolution or rebellion that's going to change this, this, this system in the next hundred years? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Okay, uh, thank you, Bill, for your question. And before I answer, I also salute Bill for uh, his consistency over the years of trying to make a difference in our community. And I'm very proud of his work uh, in Baltimore. Bill asks a very powerful question. 
which uh, in one of our past editions of our newspaper, uh, we addressed that issue. Uh, but before I answer that question, I'm in total agreement. As I had said earlier, the schools have worsened. And uh, uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work that we got before us. But going back to your question, short of revolution, uh, of course, revolution would be, in my humble opinion, the best uh, solution for our people as it relates to education oh, and overall in terms of our conditions here in this country, as well as for throughout the world. That's without a doubt. But as I was saying, in one of our past editions, we laid out what we considered options for black people in response to the ongoing attack that is visited upon us 24-7 here in this country. One option, of course, is to continue to do as we have and just respond sometimes uh, uh, for a certain incidents that causes outrage, such as the George Floyd situation, Mike Brown, as far as police violence and what have you, or the water crisis like in Jackson, Mississippi, as well as in Michigan itself, in Flint, Michigan. So that's one option. A second option uh, and, and, and in those reactions, of course, like we have as an organization, like in uh, in response to the Mike Brown situation, we were out on the forefront in that uh, response, calling for blacks to uh, seek political office, such as prosecuting attorney, because the prosecuting attorney at that time, a white boy, would not uh, charge the murder uh, the murderer of uh, Mike Brown. Uh, with any kind of crime. So we needed, in my mind, some uh, outspoken uh, elected officials that would do so. And that's why eventually we uh, were able to get elected a sister named uh, uh, as a prosecutor, Kim Gardner, who was very forceful in trying to bring about social justice uh, reform in the criminal system. So again, practicing what you preach. So that's one action. A second action is for black people to have a mass migration back to the southern states, as Honorable Elijah Muhammad used to advocate of season five or six southern states and making them our own, uh, our own uh, like uh, country, or like as the Republic of New Africa was advocating. And then you had Brother uh, Chokwe Lumumba, who who did move back south from Detroit and eventually became mayor of the city of Jackson and trying to practice what a preacher, I can say publicly, that I did bring it to the attention as a kind suggestion to Minister Louis Farrakhan of moving uh, the Nation of Islam headquarters from Chicago to the southern states and making a mass call for that mass migration, which how would that benefit us? Because uh, then uh, mentally, if we were to stay within the confines of this political system, then we could seize positions such as the governorships and U.S. senators that would empower us at a greater level. And in fact, as governor that resides on billions of dollars, then those dollars can be used to build the infrastructure of various cities that then would become predominantly black, as well as uh, as governor, you have the power to engage into international trade uh, 
as a vision. So that's the option as we saw it. And uh, also uh, the option of uh, mass migration back to Africa with the vision of uh, uniting Africa to be as uh, militarily, first of all, economically and technologically as equal to the Western world to protect ourselves. And then last but not least, as you just said, Bill, as far as a revolution, because uh, when we say revolution, if that's the great overturning of this economic system, which then would be a liberating force for people, not just in this country, but throughout the world. It could be an end to the uh, illegal embargo on Cuba, which has a predominantly black population. Uh, the ending of sanctions against uh, Zimbabwe by this government, because in Zimbabwe, the people of Zimbabwe rose up, and uh, under uh, Robert Mugabe, they finally began to receive the land that the white people had taken in Zimbabwe. It would put an uh, uh, end to what's taking place in Palestine with the genocide that's been uh, it's, it's going on daily there. So it would be a liberating force, in essence, for the peoples of the world, as I see it. And uh, again, practicing what I preached early on, I was a very strong supporter of the Black Panther Party. As many people know, uh, definitely called for that. And they became uh, became one, uh, as uh, J. Edgar Hoover said, a national threat to uh, this government, and there was a systematic uh, war on the Black Panther Party that uh, kind of destroyed the movement there. So again, uh, uh, bottom line, I agree with that assessment for the humanity's sake, that would be the best solution. But making it happen is another question. And none of it, even uh, reform inside of this system, would never occur until the masses of the people become okay. involved in the movement and everybody just like we push for folks to uh vote it should be a badge of honor for everybody to belong to some organization that has a that speaks truth to power and has a history of doing positive uh, uh work in our community so i hope i answer your question I think you did. It's 12 away from the top. Yeah, Money Mike's up next. He's also in Baltimore. He's online, too. Good morning, Money Mike. You're on with Brother Zaki Baroudi. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, Dr. Uh, Zabudi. Doctor, first I got to ask you a question. Um, can you expound on the fact that the education is failing our kids uh, and, and tell them that, you, you know, you're not speaking to a small crowd? I want to say this. The schools are worse because blacks have migrated to the suburbs. So our inner city, inner city schools are failing. Poor children, children that can't read or write, stay in your house, stay in your pockets, and sometimes they do both. So if, 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 if the parents aren't educated, and I'm not saying all blacks face this problem. I say I'm watching it from 30 years, the migration of those that left the inner city because they could and then us accepting lower grades as passing grades in our schools, the populace has changed. We don't have the so-called elite living in the cities. So, therefore, our kids have no role models. And just like the, the gentleman called and talked about promiscuity, 
you know, if, if we look at the Internet, the cell phones, we're giving them to our children as pacifiers, but these children are watching porn and engaging in porn, and everybody wants to duck. And you put the, 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 the letter in front of D that you want to put, but nobody wants to raise families. So can you just talk about the education system for inner-city youth, why it's failing them, and how many it's really failing, the true number? And I got a solution. All these churches that have failed in the inner city, let's, t let's, let's educate our own. Malcolm talked about it. Only a fool would let the enemy raise their children, but I can tell you why it won't happen. Because black people aren't willing to pay for education when they pay for it with their taxes, but they don't realize they're not paying and funding their own children's education. And I'll, right. I'll, I'll listen to your answer. Thanks, Mike. Okay. First of all, Mike, uh, you already have uh, uh, laid out uh, the circumstances in our school systems, and I think uh, early on I was uh, uh, making mention of the fact of the failure of our uh, school systems and the need for a whole different type of curriculum to be implemented. But in order for that to happen, uh, we have to seize the local school boards. And at this time in history, we just don't have, sad to say, we don't have enough conscious people, first of all, to, willing to challenge for those uh, local school board uh, seats. So that's first. And then, as you mentioned uh, early on, we have uh, a lot of uh, uh, people who have moved out of uh, 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 the, the predominantly black communities into the suburbs. But even if you're in a suburb, you can still make a, uh, a contribution by uh, coming into the uh, local uh, school district, asking, uh, serving as mentors and what have you. So we can't let nobody escape in terms of responsibility, even no matter where they live, they still have a responsibility to give back to the community. And then another thing that you touched, though, that is real dear to me, and just uh, at, uh, in our, uh, I think at the end of uh, August or, uh, or the 1st of September, somewhere along there, uh, some of our representatives from our organization, including myself, was in Atlanta, at a uh, meeting of various uh, organizations from across the country to address the issue of the murder mute uh the murder uh music lyrics that predominate the airwaves that our young people uh are accessing which is another form of warfare against us psychological warfare to keep our people uh confused uh, keep our people hating one another, keep our people disrespecting uh, our mothers and themselves. And so we have to understand that we are at war. Uh, it's a, a psychological warfare being uh, 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 carried out against us with military actions uh, personified by the killing of uh, our people by police officers who uh, have a KKK mentality and a system that imprisons our people uh, to the extent that this country has the highest imprisonment rate of any country in the world with uh, predominant black uh, bodies and souls that's incarcerated. So all of that is tied in together, 
And that's why we're in the condition that we're in. And that's why, again, I say over and over, the only way that, that we don't break out of that, even if we just stay in this country and try to push for reforms or even revolution at the highest level or getting the hell on out of this country, is that we have to have masses of people belonging to those organizations that address their issues. In essence, we need to have armies of righteous people. And that's why our organization is always calling for a army of at least 144,000 plus membership to be able to uh, have some form of fight back against the issues that we're talking about. And everybody know, everybody know. Uh, I think yeah. uh, on a past, uh, 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 Carl, you remember on the past issue of your show, we were bringing out uh, the filthy uh, music of this sister, uh, uh, sister uh, uh, Crazy Red with uh, a video called Hood Rats. Right. Now hold that thought right there. I'll let you uh, drill down on that when we get back. we got to take a quick break here, six away from the top of the hour. Also, we're going to talk some politics too, uh, Brother Zaki, because, you know, many people say they're not going to vote for, uh, uh, support the Democrats or vote for Biden in the fall. So uh, my question to you is, what should they do then? Should they sit it out or vote for the other folks so i'll let you tackle that and we also talk about the music as well when we get back as i mentioned we got to take a quick break we'll be back in four minutes though with brother zaki you want to join this conversation reach out to us at 800-450-7876 we'll take your phone calls right here in baltimore on 1010 wolb also in the dmv on fm 95.9 and am 1450 wol where information is power Good morning once again, family. Two minutes after the top of the hour with the President General of the Universal African People's Organization. We're talking about education. Also got a tweet question or uh, actually an email from one of our listeners in the UK for you, uh, Brother Saki. Why don't you finish your thought and then we can move on to the politics. Brian, what? I'm sorry. Do you remember what you were saying before we left for the break? Um... If not, we can just go to this uh, tweet that I got. Actually, it's an email from one of our listeners in the UK. And he says, can you ask your guest, is there such a thing as a national educational curriculum in the U.S. or is it defined to each state? And he goes on, it's, the question goes on, what are the pros and cons of an educational curriculum, whether national or defined by state? Is there a national curriculum devised by scholars of African descent in America outside of the mainstream educational system, specifically dedicated to African educational needs and concerns? And the answer is no on that particular question. And education, uh, the curriculums, uh, is the responsibility of various states. And that goes back to the concept when uh, of minimally mass migration to the South so that we can uh, seize powers as governors and U.S. senators because then uh, as governor, uh, you sit over the educational system and then we can create our own type of educational system that will empower us. And part of the educational system, I want to really emphasize that before we get into the political arena, is that first of all, I see that the educational systems that should be having a curriculum, we need to have a different curriculum to actually make sure that all our students have a complete understanding of our, of history and our contribution to world civilization as a people. That's first. Then we need to have a curriculum 
to guide young people, as I've made mention, into skilled professions. And in my booklet, uh, back in uh, the day, I was citing uh, some statistics as an example of the type of uh, uh, skilled professions that we lack percentage-wise as a race of people. Say, for instance, in agriculture and natural resources, black people only represented 2%. At that time, they said we were about 10% of the population when this book was written. In architecture and environmental design, we were only 4.5%. In the biological sciences, we were at 6.6%. In engineering, 5%. Dentistry, 4%. Medicine, 6%. Veterinary, veterinary medicine, 2%. Law, 4%. Physical sciences, uh, only 4%. So that was one of the reasons as I have advocated and still advocate is that we have a curriculum that, uh, you know, uh, addresses that and help guys our young people into those skilled professions. Along with that, uh, uh, we advocate or I have advocated through my booklet that before a student graduates or as he graduates, he should have mastered the following concepts. Number one the concept of maintaining and keeping one's home, school, and community clean. Because, you know, uh, we have no problem with a lot of uh, 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 uncleanliness in the community, so we need to have a concept that our communities ought to be clean. We ought to have that each student should know why it's important for black people to pool their economic and intellectual resources. They should know why it is important not to disrespect their fellow black men and why it's foolish to rob, murder, and rape their own kind. The concept of knowing why it's important to support independent black businesses and organizations. The concept of understanding the concept of voting power and the consequences of the lack of political representation. The concept of why it is foolish to allow the large numbers of alcohol and dope houses to exist within the community. And last but not least, the concept that black people must have within a 10, 10 year span full economic and political power that reflect our new num- uh, numerical numbers. So, and again, trying to practice what, and one other thing, they should have a perspective of that we are people of the world, international people. And I'm proud to say, uh, Carl, as a former educator, uh, I took students with me to Africa as well as to Jamaica. So, again, you know, you got to practice what you preach, and that's what I've always tried to do. Well, let me piggyback. Let me jump in on what uh, the brother from the U.K. question about the curriculum. When we control the schools, when we're, you know, head of the school board, we're predominantly black school, uh, teachers are black, it's just all black. Can, can we determine the curriculum? Can, can we decide we want to, since the, the, to create a uh, curriculum that reflects the student body? Can we do that? Or do, or do we have to get perm- uh, permission from, from state officials? Or educate other education officials. Question. You know what? That's a great question. There's a, we do have with some forms of uh, ability to control some levels of the curriculum, uh, but it is again a state function. So sometimes the state can come in and intervene. But just like you know, I'm, I was a social studies teacher, 
and we were bound by certain things to teach. But also I added in inside of my classroom a teaching of black history, which is uh, which, you know, was my leeway to do that. And uh, so there are things that we can do uh, on a local level. But again, one of the problems, as I cited uh, in East St. Louis, the school board at the time I was uh, teaching was corrupt, corrupt to the fullest. And uh, so, again, there's a struggle even within the race because we have those who don't give a damn about our people that we have to remove from power. Those are the uh, misleadership in our community. But we have to have people that's out there in the community who's listening, who's conscious, and they have to get involved uh, to seize power because it's all about seizing power, but with people who have righteous motives for the upliftment of the race. Yeah, if we can get some conscious uh, teachers out there and, and they have the juice, they have the power to make these changes like you did, you know, and, 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 you and know they're what? willing to do it. And one other thing, Carl, uh, I'm glad you made mention that. In my booklet, also, I'd be saying as a prerequisite for teaching, uh, all teachers are to uh, uh, have had a class in African-American or in African uh, history. Because, sadly to say, many educators uh, don't know their history, <laughs> our history. That's another uh, sad reality that we have. Yeah, many of them don't look like us. But what about the fact that the before we go into politics, this piece on education, the, the lack of black male teachers in the classroom? Because you you were a black male Ooh. teacher in the classroom. How important is it for our, our students, our children, to see a male figure in the classroom teaching it's, them? It's extremely important. Just as it is extremely important, ideally to have a male father figure in the home. Uh, and that's one of the problems that uh, uh, is affecting our community, uh, transforming from going from the education system to just the broken home situation in many of our communities that has occurred through this mass incarceration, which uh, has been part of the strategy of low-intensity warfare against black people that has broken up so many homes. Statistically, and uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but at the turn of uh, the century, uh, of the 20th century, in 19, say 1910, 1920, 80% of black homes had two family figures, you know, a mother and a father. Then it began decreasing in, uh, say, mid-60s to... 40, 50 percent. And now it's around, I believe, 20 percent. So that's another strategy that we will have to uh, create some kind of way that we reunite the black family where you have both uh, the mother and the father that's in the home. So that goes back into the school system, the importance of black male figures, which is diminishing, sadly to say. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20mg injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Yeah. And, and, you know, what can we do about that, though? You know, we, we talk about it. We know we know it's a problem. We know our children need to see, because you're correct, they need to see, have a black teacher who looks like him, because at least they can say, well, maybe one day I want to be a teacher, too. That's another issue, too, Brother Zaki. A lot of our uh, college students who are going to college and not going into the educational field. Most of them are going in, in educational field. Uh, assist us. The brothers are not going in the education field. Why not? Why? Why would they follow your tracks? Okay. Well, and that's going back to uh, why teachers unions are on strike. Many male, uh, 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 say, students graduating from college do not see that as a, a methodology, but in terms of generating the kind of economics that would sustain their families so they go into other fields that are high paying. And that then speaks to the value that uh, this whole country have as it relates to spending, uh, not spending the kind of dollars into the educational system that need to be placed uh, into the educational system. Uh, because uh, many uh, teachers' uh, pay is uh, not comparable to what they should be receiving for the valuable job that they uh, are, are have assumed to undertake. And then that gets into the priority of America. Uh, billions of dollars going overseas to fund wars that in essence help the various uh, military industries in this country that put dollars in the hands of these small uh, 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 oligarchs of the United States uh, who constantly year in and year out push for various wars across the globe. So it's a matter of priority in terms of those who are in power that oversee this vast empire. Am I making right. sense on that? Yes, you are. And we're going to d- dig into that, but we got to take a quick break when we come back, though, because, you know, many people, in the, not many, but some people in our community in a, in a quandary what to do. They don't like to, what's, what Joe Biden is doing, and they, they say they're not going to vote for him, but they don't know whether they should vote for the other guy or should they just sit it out. And one of the issues why they don't like what Biden is doing is because what you mentioned about the war in Gaza, now, not so much Ukraine, but the war in Gaza. They they have an affinity with the Palestinians, and, and they don't like their taxpayers' money being used used to fund to kill unarmed Gazans. So that's an issue there. So when we come back, I'll, I'll let you tell us, what, how, what would you say to folks who were in that quandary deciding, how am I, what am I going to vote for? Who, why should I vote? Why should I support him? And believe me, he's got the message. That's why he was in Charleston yesterday. Family, you want to join this conversation with our guest, Brother Zaki Baruti? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the D. AMV run FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power.
Good morning, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour with the President General of the Universal African People's Organization. His name is Brother Zaki Baruti. They're based in St. Louis. And we're going to talk politics, Brother Zaki. As soon as I said politics, I got, got a tweet from a very irate uh, a listener who says she's upset. She thinks that she says uh, Biden owes us. We put him in office and he hasn't done anything for us. We haven't heard anything about reparations. She says he's definitely not voting for him. She's against and, and it's not just reparations. She's against he's uh, supplying ammunition uh, to kill the people in Gaza. That's a, that was her tweet. So but she doesn't know what to do. That, and, and that's the other part. So can you help her out, Brother Zaki? And uh, let her know that I, I, I feel her. Because uh, uh, I'm of the same opinion that it's, uh, it's no way that I can uh, uh, consciously vote for Joe Biden. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, is a dilemma for a number of people. But for me, I would still encourage everybody to vote. But there are alternatives based on principles. Sometimes in life, you have to have just basic principles. And on the ballot will be... Uh, different uh, other political parties that I would encourage her to examine their positions on issues that uh, of national and uh, international importance, as well as uh, their positions in regards to black people. Right off, uh, there's uh, will be, uh, and, and, and you will also have the independent candidacy, uh, I believe of uh, Cornell West. I don't know where that is exactly right now at this time, but you do have other parties such as the Green Party. You have, of which I was actually a candidate uh, in uh, year 2000 uh, with uh, uh, Ralph Nader as the presidential candidate. And in the state of Missouri, we had one of the most diverse uh uh, uh, statewide candidates uh, at that time than any other political party uh, uh, at that time. So, and why am I against uh, Joe Biden? But before I say why I'm against Joe Biden, one of my icons that as an organization we celebrate yearly, along with uh, uh, Martin Luther King and Marcus Garvey, is Malcolm X, Al Haj Malik Shabazz. And, he, and paraphrasing him, he had a powerful statement about the political parties. He said one political party is like a wolf that they eat you outright, uh, which would uh, be the Republican Party. And the second party is the Democratic Party, which is like a fox. Both do what? They eat us. And going in terms of Joe Biden um, uh, uh, administration, as she may mention, on the question of reparations, that did not even come up during uh, under Nancy. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Nancy uh, Pelosi. Yeah, Pelosi. When even introduced it, uh, because as you know, uh, there has been a bill languishing in uh, uh, committees in the House of Representatives for numbers of years. And in fact, it's ironic uh, at the height of the Gazan War. Uh, in Palestine, uh, there was a press conference here in St. Louis, and they were interviewing the folks at the press conference, including myself. And my immediate position in terms of the expenditures of our tax dollars in both Ukraine and in Israel, which Israel has historically been receiving 
uh, foreign aid to the extent that it receives more foreign aid, a little small country, uh, than the entire continent of Africa, which we here in this country outnumber the Jewish people disproportionately. <laughs> but the Jewish commun- uh, community in Israel receives more aid than the entire continent of uh, Africa, as I just mentioned. And those are our tax dollars. So at the press conference, I called for ending uh, the funding for the Ukraine war and the war in uh, Palestine, and that those dollars be used for reparations for our people or else uh, creating, like, after World War II, there was a Marshall Plan to rebuild Europe. We need to have billions of dollars to help rebuild the inner cities here in this country populated by black folks. So, again, I understand. So I'm against uh, Biden because of his foreign policy, as well as, uh, in essence, he has not done anything to elevate the condition of black people as I see it. Well, she just she added something on. Let me let me get your response on this. She said she is against him, even though she knows that if Donald Trump wins, this may be the last election in this country. This may be the end of democracy that we know. We know. But she's willing to stake a bet not to vote for Trump, but not to vote for Biden either. But she vote down ticket. But she doesn't care what it says. We it says black people basically have to take a stand and show these Democrats that we're not we're not going to be used anymore. That's what she's basically saying. If Donald Trump goes in, so what? And she's willing to take the hit. So your thoughts? I'm at the same opinion personally. I'm at the same opinion. And then that may force black people, as I've been saying over and over, to really take up the issue of seriously organizing. And that's why I say, uh, irregardless of either political party, it's upon us to put together a force of people that can challenge and be effective challengers of this system. And so uh, I'm, I'm willing to take that hit as she is. So we're on the same page. All right. And, and I got another tweet here. I'm going to read this one verbatim. And he says, why can't Biden and Congress allocate $5 billion towards the homeless and mental health here in America? They gave Ukraine over a trillion taxpayers dollars to fight the war and relocate a thousand of Ukrainians to this country who are living better than a lot of black folks. So that's the other next tweet for you, brother, brother Zaki. Well, again, I have to say I agree exactly. Uh, you know, with uh, that person's uh, tweet. And it speaks again to uh, uh, what is uh, his priority. And his priority is not us. And so uh, we have to uh, take some principled positions. And uh, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for what? Everything, something like that? <laughs> uh, well, so, let me ask you this, though. 30 minutes after the top there, is it time for us to start our own black political party? Is, is, this, is this the push that we need to, you know, create our own black political party and, and decide whether we want to play in, on the GOP side or the Democrat side, uh, be a force in each party? Is it time for us to, to start looking at that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but also, I'm glad you may mention um, uh, in terms of a force within each political party. If you remember, uh, as far as the Republican Party, they had one component that was called the Tea Party, which advocated some, you know, right wing 
policies that they have been able to actually implement and force upon you know the American public. Why not for those who can't escape the Republican? Uh, I mean, cannot uh, leave the Democratic Party. Then why not have a, a within the Democratic Party a force? And you could call it the Coffee Party, or like in the early sixties, the what, what was it? The Freedom. Um, um, Led by uh, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. Uh, yeah, uh, you know. I, I know what, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But a force within the political uh, inside of the Democratic Party that takes uh, real strong progressive positions on our behalf. An example of that, though, uh, they were trying to uh, that they have started a movement somewhat like that. And that's uh, that group of uh, uh, House of Representatives called the Squad, you know. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, as an extension of the Israeli war, where some Congress people, such as our local Congresswoman uh, Cori Bush, took a position of uh, advocating just simply a ceasefire to let uh, in uh, you know in Palestine in Gaza to allow folks to have basic food and what have you in the genocide that was taking place. There's a lobby pact, a Jewish lobby pact that has raised over a hundred million dollars to target people like Cory Bush. And I think uh, you probably have heard about this brother named Harper Hill, I believe in Michigan, who was axed by that same lobby. Uh, They were going to drop 20 yeah, APAC, that they were going to drop $20 million on him to run against uh, the sister in Michigan who is a member of the squad. So, again, uh, that speaks to uh, 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 whenever we create a force of righteous people, there's a, the other force that tried to take them out. So we're in a battle again. That's why I'm saying yeah. we're in a battle. Yeah, and we're in a battle, dilemma. Yeah, and that battle, though, got to be and like right now you probably have thousands of listeners would you not agree i'm saying to each of those listeners do you belong to an organization that speaks truth to power if you and and are you active and if you're not active would you be willing to at least financially support those organizations that speak uh on the issues that you agree with then you need to be supportive. And that needs to be the call from this day forward every time. What organization are you belonging to? That uh, and, 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 and the need also, as I always say, that you should vote. And, and when you go to the polling places, you should know the issues. And going back to Biden also, let me say this, on an international level, uh, just most recently in December, uh, the United Nations General uh, assembly voted overwhelmingly 120 votes, I believe, to 10 in terms of criticizing Israel. And the only countries that stood with Israel uh, basically is the United States. The United States has been criticized for the embargo year in and year out uh, by the United Nations Assembly. But Biden has not made any changes into uh, how. This government uh, uh, embargo has 
when Obama kind of lifted some of the restrictions and then Trump reinstated them, and Biden has not lifted any of those restrictions that uh, Trump had put into place. I believe they still have uh, sanctions against Zimbabwe, which came out of uh, the Zimbabwean government under the leadership of Mugabe, uh, taking back the land that had been stolen from the black people of Zimbabwe by white people who had came, who had came there to colonize uh, uh, Zimbabwe under the regime that was called Rhodesia. They have not lifted that. So we have to look at not just the domestic policy of this country, also the international uh, positions of this country and the leaders who advocate different policies. Let's take a quick break right here, Brother Zaki. When we come back, Sister Sandra in Baltimore has a question for you. Also, Eric in Long Beach, California. Family, you two can get in on this conversation with Brother Zaki Baruti. Reach out to us at 800-450-7876 or 26 away from the top there. I will take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL for information is power. And good morning once again, family, and thanks for rolling with us this morning, 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with Brother Zaki Broody. He's the President General of the Universal African People's Organization. They're based in St. Louis. He's an activist, former educator. We'll get back to him in a moment. Let me just remind you, coming up in the next few days, you're going to hear from Dr. Ray Wimbush from Morgan State University and also a doctor of clinical psychology. Uh, Jeff Menzies will be here, so make sure your radio is locked in tight on 1010 WLB if you're in Baltimore. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So I mentioned before we left for the break, Sister Sandra was holding for us. She's calling from Baltimore. She's on line one. Sister Sandra, good morning. You're on with Brother Zaki. Hey, good morning, Nicole, and to your guest. I'd like to say this to the doctor. I mean, how can you say not vote for Biden, consider the stakes that we're in? Who in their right mind would even give a thought of voting for Donald Trump? The man that showed you and told you what he was about. And if you don't under, you know you don't know about Biden, go to his website. Pull up what he has done since he's been in office. Pull up Donald Trump, what he has done when he was in office. Under Donald Trump, you have 400-some-thousand people died under his watch during the pandemic. And then he was telling you to drink bleach. And then he lied about not having the virus. Come on. Who in their right mind would even consider that dictator? I will vote for Biden if that's my last thing on earth to do. I will not give Donald Trump my vote. And all these black people tell me they're going to sit it out. Well, you sit it out and see what Donald Trump going to bring you when the landlord throw you out. And you have right. no job. You have no health care. Because he said he's going to take health care and rearrange it and make his own health care. Come on, you've got to be crazy. As far as Conor West, I wouldn't vote for him as he was the last man on earth. All he'd do is run around, get his money, and talk out both sides of his mouth. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. 
Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, let's give him a chance to respond because we got a bunch of folks want to talk to him. Yes, Sanjay, we get the gist of, of, your, of what you're saying. Brother Zaki, and that's the dilemma we're in, but Sandra says she'll, she, she's she's riding with Joe. Your thoughts? Well, he has every right to do it. Uh, I'm not voting for Trump, but I cannot vote for Biden. So I'm going to be looking at other options as it relates to candidates that will be on the ballot. And also, though, if I may uh, divert for a quick second, I wanted to give a shout out uh, when uh, you had made mention of you got coming on uh, your shows, a couple of doctors, that our health is very important. And I've been getting a text from a gentleman in Washington, D.C. I'm sure he wanted to make mention of our brother Preston, the guideman, uh, about the importance of us having health so we can have longevity of life with all a lot of uh, diseases. So anyway, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. But again, uh, that's their option. And that's one of the things here in this country. We do have choices, but it's just, uh, he's not my choice. I see him uh, with the uh, thousands of deaths of innocent children and women. And many of them look like us. Well, well, let me ask you this, because you say you're not going to vote for Trump, but you're not going to vote for Biden either. If Biden drops out of the race and somebody else steps up for the Democrats, would, would you vote? Would you support that person? It would uh, depend on who they are and their positions. It all comes down for me in terms of what are your public positions and what type of history do you have as far as actualizing what you have been advocating. Got you. All right, we got to mention some more folks who want to talk to you. 18 away from the top down. Eric's on line two. He's going from Long Beach in California. Eric, good morning. You're on with Brother Zaki. Yes, good morning. Um, I just wanted to say this for, for a quick second. Well, when I brought up the fact um, of several times in the past about Pelosi and the Democrats being charged, having, um, when she was the Speaker of the House, and the Democrats had a majority in the House, all you need is 218 votes to pass some out of the House. She never brought H.R. 40, which is just a study of reparations, to the floor of the Congress just to get an up or down vote to see where everybody stood. When I brought that up one time, Carl, you accused me basically of being a Trump plant or whatever. No, 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 wait, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to let, Eric, I'm not going to let you lie on me. Goodbye. I'm not going to let you buy it. You could have said something else. You know, I didn't accuse you of being a Trump plant. Get out of here. I wouldn't even say that. So, no, I'm not going to let you lie. No, Eric, this is my show. I'm not going to let you lie. Kevin, drop him. All right, let's move on. You don't come up here and accuse me of doing something that I didn't do, and I'm going to let you do it? Come on. You crazy? No, that's not going to happen, Eric. I didn't say that. So don't accuse me of doing that. I'm, I'm not going to let you lie on me on the radio. 800-450-7876. Raw's in Baltimore on line three. Good morning, Raw. Ooh, a bug early. Like to thank the creator, y'all, and you brothers, they engineer for this opportunity. I, I'm working with Verbi Luma, Luma, and the Ujima People's Progress Party, but I was glad to hear him talk about 
um, Joe Biden. He called African people roaches, said he didn't want his children going to school without children, and put in the bill to lock us up. You hear no black uh, people from the Democrat Party check up or call us roaches. No, I would not vote for him. I vote for him, put in my own name or someone else's name, but I would not vote for him. At least Trump fighting against the deep state and the new world order. Besides that, thank you, brother. <laughs> All right, thanks, Ron. It wasn't a question in there. And let me just say this to Eric. It was a caller who said that he was a plant. Must be a plant. It wasn't me. So don't accuse me of that. I'm, I've been doing this business too long as a professional journalist. I know what I'm doing. I'm not going to accuse you of something like that. So I don't want you to say, say that. 800-450-7876. Howard's in line four calling from Los Angeles. Good morning, Howard. You're on with Brother Zaki. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Wendy. I just woke up and thank you for taking my call. The only thing I want to say is that we need a political party. You remember Malcolm said we should vote as a block. And, and I, I remember, you remember back in, what, 72 when Mayor Richard Hatcher and Gary got everybody together to do that? And we lost track of that. It's time is now, you know? And like Malcolm said, he got a fox in the wall. And both of them members of the dog band. So we got to have a political party. I don't know what some people are thinking about. You know, they'll be debating whether to vote for Trump or Biden, the fox and the wolf. So, uh, people, come on. We got to have a political part. That's all this. Thank All right. Thanks, Howard. So, Zaki, is it too late now? Because we're we're at the time now. The the election is in uh, in November, and Howard is saying he's, he's concurred that we should have our own uh, black political party. Was he too late? And and, it can, and I got another tweet from a brother in Buffalo about. He said that the uh, third parties, you know, is just a waste of a vote. Basically, it came a long quote here, but basically, it's a waste of a vote if you if you back a third party uh, candidate. Your thoughts. Well, uh, in terms of being able to actually be placed on the ballot throughout the country or in majority of states, it would be very difficult on the real side as it relates to a, uh, a, a black political party. Now, again, there are existence of political parties that do have ballot access for many states, Not, I don't think for the entire 50 states such as, as I mentioned, the Green Party, you got the Libertarian Party, you got the Constitution Party. But, but I would encourage people to study their platforms before they make a vote. Uh, you have the, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it was projected that Dr. Cornell West was going to have an independent uh, 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 candidacy for president. But again, being able to uh, get your name on the uh, ballot is a tremendous task, as well as going back to the independent party. You do have uh, independent party as one of the brothers who called in. You have the Eugenia party, but I don't know if they have a national presence and you have the national African, uh, the uh, national African independent party based out of Pittsburgh headed by brother Kareem, uh, Khalid, uh, Rahim. And, um, so the immediacy is, and, and there's an effort out of the uh, black radical uh, political convention to try to create a party. But as far as a black independent party on the presidential ballot for this year, I think it's going to be uh, very difficult. Uh, going back to black activists running for president, it just took me back to when uh, Eldridge Cleaver, the Black Panther Party, was a independent candidate for the Freedom and uh, I believe what was that, the Freedom and Justice Party of that time period. 
back in the early 70s. So there are historical precedents of black people running for a president on independent parties. So, uh, but again, uh, as far as uh, a black independent party throughout the United States being on the ballot for the 2024 election, I don't think that's going to be a reality. Right, because it couldn't qualify. It's hard to qualify to be, get right. on the ballots in the different states. That's the first thing. But the second thing right. is, though, if, if we do create this black political party, aside from reparations, what are some of the major issues do you think we should we should deal with that are affecting black people today? Well, uh, you know, you, it has to be two, uh, two different uh, levels of uh, policies, one domestic and one international. On the domestic side, uh, we have to address uh, the whole education that we've been talking about. Uh, we have to, in terms of funding for education, uh, as I had made mention in the curriculums, we have to deal with policing and uh, 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 and as an organization around policing, we call for a community control of the police department, and every police department should uh, uh, reflect the officers should reflect the ethnicity of the community in which they uh, uh, work. Uh, you have to deal with uh, political empowerment. We call for proportionate political empowerment of our people across this country, meaning that wherever percentage we are on the national, state, and local levels, we should have that percentage. And then that person or party that's advocating, would they support that? And another, just a side note, uh, you know, we've been calling for this proportionate political party, but I'm kind of uh, shocked and surprised that we have almost achieved that in the United States House of Representatives. As of today, there's 59 people of color, black people, in the United States House of Representatives. Not saying that they all for us. Many people say many of them are misleaders, but numerically, we uh, uh, that number matches our percentage, which is projected by the U.S. census as 14 percent. So we had 13, 14 percent on that level. But in the United States Senate, which we need to be focusing on out of 100 senators, it should be at least 14 blacks reflecting 14 percent of the U.S. population. However, it's only four. So we're very underrepresented there. So uh, I, I mentioned uh, the prison and the police uh, system, mass incarceration has to be addressed. The homeless issue has to be addressed. So those are some of the domestic issues. International, we have to address the fact of a disproportionate amount of uh, our dollars are going to Israel, uh, the Ukraine war. Uh, we have to address the fact that the United States has military bases uh, more than any country of the world, 80, I think at least 80 military bases throughout the world. Why all these military bases use those dollars to invest in people right here in the United States? We have to address the fact of African in Africa, which uh, helps foment a lot of struggle, uh, internal conflict within Africa. So those are uh, the embargo against Cuba and Venezuela. Uh, that needs to be put to an end, as well as the sanctions placed against Zimbabwe. Those are some of the issues that I think uh, that has to be addressed for uh, uh, our people going forward into the future. 
Yeah, that's a great list, both of them, domestic and internationally. And another reason why we should vote, too, Brother Zaki, that there are several, uh, you call them members of the squad, they're running and they're, they're being targeted. Each and every single one of them who are progressive uh, Democrats are being targeted for extinction. So those, and you need those those people, especially Cori Bush out there where you are. She's she's a serious target. They want to get rid of her real quick. So that's another reason we should vote. Let me, let me give you the craziness uh, right here in St. Louis around that. Now, Cori Bush, I must say publicly, she got her political baptism through our organization, asking her to run for U.S. Senate, you know, around the whole issue of proper representation in the United States Senate back in 2016. Then the following year, she challenged the incumbent who was not really effective. Yeah, what up? This is Sarah Bajasin, and I will be performing at the... Zaki, you still there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, make it real uh, quick, because we got about 60 seconds. Okay, well, an incumbent... St. Louis Circuit Attorney, uh, St. Louis County Circuit Attorney Wesley Bell has entered into the race against her, which I had asked him to run for office against Bob McCullough, who was the racist prosecutor who would not charge Darren Wilson, the racist police officer who shot Mike Brown. But anyway, he's running against her, and our speculation, and I text him, is that he's doing it for the APAC. Uh, uh, that's dr- trying to drop money on uh, his campaign to challenge Corey. So uh, that's the dynamics that we're taking place. That's taking place here in St. Louis. There may be another uh, uh, call. We, I can go more detail. Yeah, let's let's do, do uh, delve into that next time you're on because we're just flat out of time. So, uh, brother okay. Zaki, folks, if they're trying to reach you, get more information, especially on that race in St. Louis with the Cong- congressional race. How do they reach you? They can do two things. They can call our office at area code 314-833-4151. That's 314-833-4151. Or they can call me directly, 314-477-4629. Or they can go on our website, www.uapo.org. That's www.uapo.org. All right. Thanks, Brother Zaki. We got to run. Folks, we're late. We're done for the day. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power.